さあ全てのことをやめ胸だけをときめかせながら私のことを見つめて盗むことそれは壊すことでも奪うことでもない特別に甘い悪徳秘密と重罪といたずらと恐怖のあまるがも嵐が丘のヒースクリフのように盗み続けることは人生をかけた最高の観音永遠に出られないセクシーな牢獄心理的根拠は Everyone, and welcome back to Anime is for Jerks. My name is Cass, and I'm Alex. And this month, we are talking about Lupin the Third, the woman called Fujiko Mine, directed by Sayo Yamamoto and produced by TMS and Potential. Alex, what did you think about this show? Well, I had seen it before,、uh, so、yes. this is my kind of my second pass. I liked it, I think, about the same as I did before.、Um, It's a lot of fun. I love the、uh, visual style.、Uh, that, like, I, f- I feel like it kind of.、Um, the, when, it, when it transitions from the episodic style and the, kind of the first two thirds to the more like,、uh, serious plot in the th- last third, I feel like it kind of stumbles a bit. But it、uh, does feel abrupt. I totally, like, as soon as it started happening, I was like, oh, I understand exactly what Alex is talking about. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this show. This show was weird. It is.、Um, it is weird. It goes to a place that was different from how I expected. And then from there, it goes to another place that was different from what I expected based on the second place that I also didn't expect. <laughs> so it winds up like two. Unexpected places deep.、Um, it's it's very strange. So, yes, so this show was made by Sayo Yamamoto, who also directed Yuri on Ice.、Um, oh, did she? Yes. Interesting.、Um, she also directed、uh, Michiko and Hachin, which I haven't seen or ever heard of except when looking at Sayo Yamamoto's Wikipedia page.、Um, and then she also worked on a bunch of other stuff. She directed episodes of Samurai Champloo and Panty and Sucking with Garter Belt. She. Uh, worked on, she worked on Ava 2.0. She storyboarded,、oh, no. on, she storyboarded on Red Line.、Um, she, she storyboarded the opening animation of Persona 5.、Hmm. Um, you know, she worked on a, a ton of stuff. And、yeah. then, so this show was also interestingly, the characters were designed by Takeshi Koike, who directed Red Line.、Uh, huh. And、uh, he、I、also directed. I can kind of see that. Yeah. Um, he also directed the, a sort of like sequel film produced to the series called Jigen's Gravestone. Yeah, they made、um, a couple like, yeah, they made, a, yeah. Like, they made one for Daisuke yeah, made, and one for the samurai boyfriend and one for Fujiko. Yeah,、right? they made a Jigen one and a Goemon and a Fujiko one.、Uh, yeah, and it was also written by、uh, Mari Okada, who、uh, she'd written a ton of stuff. She's super prolific.、Uh, and she's, her stuff has been wildly varying in quality. So <laughs> I, have no, I have no opinion on her.、Uh, she wrote like Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, which is pretty good. And she wrote this, which is pretty good. And she wrote,、uh, she, she wrote Black Butler、uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, so like it, it's an interesting confluence of a number of people,、uh, some of whom have come up on this program before. Uh, friends of the show, you might say. Friends of, friend of, friend of the show, Takeshi Koike. We dumped, we dumped on your movie a lot.、Uh, 
uh, but I did like, I mean, I liked all the parts of it that were animation. I didn't like the parts of it that were a, a story. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, this, this is my only exposure to the Lupin franchise. Yes, I, I did some, some investigation re Lupin, um, to prepare for this. So there's, there's a sort of baffling, there's, there's an incredible, <laughs> sentence on the wikipedia article for this series which says it was reported that the series would capture the quote sensuality present in monkey punch's original lupin the third manga in its quote daring interpretation of the franchise and it's like i know his pen name is monkey punch but the phrase sensuality and monkey punch do not belong in the same sentence um so yeah, so Lupin the Third is a super long-running manga series with a bunch of anime spin-offs and stuff. It's like super huge, popular Japanese series. The manga started airing in like the late 60s, uh, airing, started being published in the late 60s, um, and it ran for a really long time, and then there were ton- there have been a, a number of anime adaptations of it. Yeah, I've been um, meaning to so- watch Miyazaki's... Uh, yes, Hayao Miyazaki worked on wh- one. Which which one is that? I forget. Okay. Th- uh, not, it's not especially important, but yes, yeah, Hayao Miyazaki yeah, yeah. worked on worked on one. Um, yeah, and yeah, he did uh, the Castle of Cagliostro is what he yeah, worked. Yeah, that's what it was called. Um, that's what I. That, um, but yeah, and it, so it's based on so like the the concept of Lupin the Third is that he is the grandson of uh, the famous fictional thief Arsène Lupin. Uh, I I've been debating how to pronounce that name Arsène um, Lupin because so like. In French, his surname is pronounced Lupin, but in Japanese, Lupin the Third's name is pronounced Rupin, uh, which Lupin. is closer to the English Lupin. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I think in the anime they usually say like Lupin. Yeah, because in the way that it's written in Katakana is Rupin, mm. uh, which is still is a little Frenchier. But um, anyway, fuck the French. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So, so yeah. So Arsène Lupin was a the protagonist of a store of a bunch of stories is like a gentleman thief character by created by maurice leblanc in like 1905 i'm looking at the, his wikipedia article i shouldn't say like 1905 <laughs> um yeah and so lupin the third is like fictionally his like grandson right. hence lupin the third hence uh, lupin the third uh so yeah so let's let's get into it let's get into what happens in this show so the first episode kicks us off with uh lupin and fujiko both separately and this is sort of a common thing that happens in this show is um sort of like it'll start it starts by focusing on lupin trying to rob this cult uh called fraulein Euler. uh miss owl yes which means miss owl in german um, and it's run by this, like, weird old guy who, like, rubs drugs all over his skin, and then everybody inhales them and has a good time. But yes, so, so they're, yeah, they're trying to steal from this cult, which has, like, this, this, they keep calling it the Dizzy Dizzy Drug, which is a very <laughs> stupid yeah. name. Um, so Lupin is, like, at, um, is, like, there at, like, the meeting, watching the cult leader who's this like weird creepy old man get like ceremonially married to some kind to this lady who turns out to be fujiko mine uh and so fujiko is 
unbeknownst to Lupin, also trying to steal this dizzy dizzy drug. Um, and she is like seducing the cult leader in order to kiss him so that she can like pass up like a tranquilizer pill to him via kissing, um, which she then does. Uh, and then he passes out, but not completely. Um, and so Lupin, Lupin like follows them, um, into like a hallway while she's trying to poison them. And then they, they both get caught basically yeah. by by the security guards and then and thrown into the like cult island compound prison yeah together. So, so in this like this is uh in the show their first meeting so like yeah. in the franchise like in the like the mainline franchise they like have a whole different history but this is yeah. well this show takes place chronologically before the beginning of the first loop in the third and uh, okay so, um, so it actually is to be an origin story uh, okay i wasn't or sure if least... it was an origin or just kind of an alternate interpretation um so they're like so, yeah. oh i've heard of you oh i've heard of you i respect your uh horrible feeling ways <laughs> um yeah so like this takes place in in a sort of like alternate it has elements of a number of different time periods sort of like blended together in that like for a while i thought it was like interwar and like that's the way that like the cars look and stuff like that but yeah. then later they talk about like the cold war right because um, yeah because then we then we get to the cuban revolution there is a specific so there's an okay well, there's an episode that takes place during the cuban revolution we'll get there but then later on after that, one of the characters mentions MK Ultra in the past tense, oh, and right. I screamed at the computer because that is a that is a continuity error because <laughs> MK Ultra and the Cuban Revolution had began in the same fucking year, um, nineteen fifty three. Um, so do more research, Mario Kada. Or they just decided that. They just decided that time is a care. flat circle. Yeah, time is a so yeah. So like the the sense of time is very uh, wibbly wobbly. Uh, in the flow of time in in Lupin is distorted, uh, <laughs> as they say. So like yeah, there's like technology that indicates like maybe like late nineteenth century. There's technology that indicates like interwar period. There's some lines and stuff that indicates nineteen fifties. You know, it sort of, like, bounces around. It's sort of, like, all, like, early 20th century, but it sort of bounces around wildly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we learn about, about Lupin and who he is, which is that he's he's a, a famous thief, and he steals whatever he wants, and he is, he's known for sending calling cards that he's going to steal whatever he's going to steal <laughs> to allow whoever he's stealing from to repair, and he always steals it anyway. I'm going to steal the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's one shot where it shows his calling card being projected on the side of the Empire State Building, saying, "I'll be taking the Empire State Building tonight." Oh right, <laughs> the Empire State Building. <laughs> um. So yeah, so Fujiko starts to seduce Lupin and like strips naked, um, and then well because because the... she's she's trying to cut a deal with him, yeah, uh, allegedly. Because yeah, he the, they realize they're both going after the same uh, yeah. item, and so they're trying to kind kind of kind of uh, figure out how to how to get the upper hand on each other, and so yeah. So she she tries to seduce him, and then strips naked, and then calls the guards and claims Lupin was trying to assault her to right. get him taken away. 
um, they've both been sentenced to death for for the record, which is apparently a thing that this guy has the the jurisdiction to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's this tiny little island, which us, I guess, he controls all of. Yeah. And so it's his little private army. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 nebulously at a time in the past when like if some weird guy just like owned an island like nobody would be able to like really check up on or verify what was yeah. going on there um so yes so the more so then the guards show up and they take lupin away and one guard stays behind to make sure fujiko is okay and fujiko seduces him as well so then fast forward to the next day um uh fujiko and lupin are both being executed except we find out that fujiko replaced herself with the guard that she seduced dressed up as her and lupin replaced himself with a dummy that looks like him a stuffed <laughs> yeah. dummy that looks like him um so um which 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 is which is arguably a, a little bit of characterization of how they approach like problems yeah yeah this is something that they, yeah, this is something that we get immediately. Like Lupin asks her, like, so you kill people too? And she says, I only do it when it's necessary. Like, um, Fujiko is frequently shown killing people. Lupin rarely does. Yeah. I don't even I I I I'm tempted to say maybe he doesn't at all, but I can't think of Right, I couldn't say I could for think, sure. I could I could I couldn't say for sure. I can think of some situations in which he comes close, but I don't know if he ever does. And and if he does, he only does it when extremely pressed yeah um whereas fujiko just does it whenever it's convenient um so then um fujiko goes to seduce the old man again so like they start they start oh right so he yeah (laughs) so he he yeah she dressed up in like a different outfit he learned his lesson and uh and never gets seduced again except not yeah, uh, so she shows up in a different outfit and seduces him. I forget exactly, like, the sequence of events, and I don't have it written down, um, the exact sequence of events. Uh, so, like, the, the cops show up, so we're introduced to Inspector Zenigata and Lieutenant Oscar. So Zenigata is, like, the classic sort of, like, Lupin antagonist character. Oscar uh, is a twink. And Oscar is new for this show, which is interesting. Um, yeah, Oscar is a twink. Uh, Oscar is a, a femboy. Who's, uh, whose whole thing is just um, being in love with Zenigata. For Zenigata yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so like there's a sequ- a sequence of events occurs, and Lupin and Fujiko both discover the giant Buddha statue statue made out of drugs in the basement. <laughs> uh, Every compound has one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I so I wrote synopses for all these episodes because there are no official synopses available that I can find any written by anybody else. So I had to write my own. And I can't believe I wrote that sentence. I don't remember thinking that sentence was funny when I wrote it. <laughs> they discovered the giant Buddhist statue made of drugs I, in the basement and took gunfight over who will take it home. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that sentence and it was just a plain uh, description of exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Fujiko like shoots like a, a lipstick at at Lupin, and they and and like and then turns off the lights, and it turns the lipstick glows, and they get into like a, a shootout while the lights are flickering on and off, and the cops are trying to arrest them, and Lupin, like the the guy, the cult guy is like this. They built an island. It's not a real island. It's like a it's a compound built on like a sea platform. 
Um, and so he like activates the self-destruct protocol, and the island begins crumbling <laughs> into the sea. And um, Lupin then uh, get like attaches rockets to the Buddha made of drugs and like <laughs> rides it out into the ocean. Right, right, right. Um, and Fujiko, at some point, I don't have documentation of how this happens, but in at earlier screenshots, she is wearing a top. And in later screenshots, she is topless. So I don't... <laughs> at some point, she becomes more nude. But... And so, uh, sh- yeah. yeah, Shockingly, um, she becomes more nude in this show, yeah. in which she spends the entire show mostly nude. Yeah, she's, she's nude a lot. Um, yeah, this show is not afraid of the titty. It's why, like, I was like, oh, this show had to have been, like, an OVA or something. And, like, no. It, this aired on broadcast television in Japan. It's Fantastic. so horny. <laughs> like, there's so much boobs. <laughs> you know? Which is, like, I like Game of Thrones exists in the U.S., but that's not, like, that's pay HBO, cable. Right? You know, it's not an yeah. HBO. It's a completely different thing. Whereas, like, this was just on, like, this is just on Nippon TV. <laughs> What was it like? What was it? What was it time I, I was slot? trying to find out its time slot. I couldn't. Figure, <laughs> I couldn't figure out its time slot because I was like, "When is it okay to broadcast this in Japan?" <laughs> um, what's what's the what's the titty boundary? Yeah. What is what is the watershed in Japan? Um, that's, but yeah. That's, so so Fujiko um, escapes by foot and shoots Lupin's like rockets, and then Lupin pops a little like parachute and life raft she shoot then she shoots that yeah uh, and yeah so... and the whole thing and this, the buddha statue sinks into the ocean and um and then all of like the cult member and like the, all the cult members like jump into the water to like because the water's now full of drugs because it's all dissolving right. and the cops can't arrest all of them and lupin escapes and fujiko escapes um fujiko so... escapes via motorcycle and just and and we we learn that lupin has sent a calling card on her inner thigh so <gasps> i'm going to steal mine fujiko yeah, so he's decided that she is a treasure worth stealing. Yes. Uh, but, um, the, yeah, the show ends um, as it does for the first, like, handful of episodes with kind of both of them failing to get anything. Steal anything, in, in yeah. kind of In kind of Bebop fashion, where uh, they, in Bebop, the common, like, ending is that they fuck up and don't get the bounty. Yeah. I was, and, I was looking at... Um, the Anime News Network review of this show, which mm-hmm. includes the line, if you're going into this expecting wacky hijinks or crazy exploits, you will be disappointed. Excuse the third, me? The woman called Fujiko Mine is a mature, slightly dark take on the franchise. And I was like, did you watch the first, the same first half of the show that I did? <laughs> <Yeah>. This show <laughs> is insane. There's a Buddha made of drugs in the basement and Lupin <laughs> straps rockets to it and surfs on it. The show is nonsense. It's great. It's so good. Like the second half of the show does get dark, but it also never stops being weird and yeah, wacky. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like it, it, they're never until like the very, very end. They're never stop quite being hijinks. Right, uh, right. Like know, even, always... I mean, even in even at the end, like like while the serious like uh, Fujiko's like serious like like whole oh, yeah. situation also, gets wrapped yes. up meanwhile like jigen daisuke and goemon yeah. are are on drugs dueling each other like 
they both yes, think the other has, right. has the head of an owl and yeah, Gorman is, is wearing women's clothing. Yeah, it that whole like subplot just runs to the last two episodes of the show. It's so <laughs> <Yeah>. good. Uh, <laughs> this show, I, I, like... I was sort of having mixed feelings about the show after having finished the last episode, and then now that we're talking about this again, I'm like, this show fucking rules. <laughs> this show fucking whips ass. It's so good. Um, uh, but yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the other thing that I noticed about this first episode is I don't like the opening sequence to this show. Hmm. Uh, one, so like there's some visual stuff Like the visuals are nice But I don't think they reflect the sort of vibrancy Of the rest of the show That's really a good well point. But the main problem that I have Is with the mixing on the narration uh, oh. It is mixed so weirdly It sounds like someone It sounds like Fujiko Mine is inside my skull Trying to seduce me while she's getting a dental impression taken That it's, sounds appropriate it's so, it's really unpleasant to listen to. I had to skip the opening every single time because it was so, like, the quality of her voice, it's so just, like, it's so weird. Like, it, the stereo image is so wide. I hate it. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, mostly, I was just so confused by the Wuthering Heights reference. There's a Wuthering Heights reference? <laughs> yeah. She's talking about, like, um... Like Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights, a life dedicated to stealing is like the ultimate sensuality. Ah, like so, like you the, said Heathcliff. The, I thought you were talking about the the cat. Yeah, that too. Some, so yeah, like the some of the the spoken word in the opening is extremely mysterious. I feel like manga has maybe just just maybe I've just seen a weird sample, but like I've seen multiple things that make reference to Wuthering Heights. There's a set of specific sort of English and like broadly European literature that is in like Japanese high school curriculums uh... that gets referenced a lot because Japanese people, because like unlike in the US where what books high schoolers read, this is my understanding. Uh, I, might be, I might be slightly inaccurate about this, but unlike in the US where what books teenagers read in class is largely determined by the teacher that they have and what state they live in and their school district and whatever. Like, that sort of stuff is much more federally governed in uh. Japan. So, like, for instance, every single Japanese student is going to read Wagahayo Aneko, which is a book called, in English means I am a cat. In, <gasps> Uh, in class, been. which is why... So Wagahai is a super old-timey Japanese first-person pronoun that carries sort of an air of snootiness. Uh-huh. Um, and it carries a further air of snootiness now because it's archaic. Because, like, now if you wanted to sound like an asshole, you would say, like, Ore-sama instead or, or something. Like, <laughs> instead of Wagahai. Um, and so it was selected. There's like it, Wagahai Oneko is like an early 20th century, like, satirical Japanese novel that selected Wagahai as the pronoun for its cat protagonist because cats are full of themselves, apparently. Um, and now Wagahai is not really thought of as a snooty pronoun because nobody uses it anymore. It's just thought of as the first person pronoun cats use. <laughs> so if, if there's a cat character in, so for instance, like the cat girl in Persona 5, I forget her name. She uses Wagahai in the, uh, <laughs> in the Japanese version. That's funny. Yeah, um, so like, yeah, it's just it's just the cat pronoun now. Um, 
But yeah, so there's lots of stuff like that. Not only Japanese literature like Agahayo and Neko, but also like uh, Anne of Green Gables is one of those books, which is why there's tons of Anne of Green Gables oh, references yeah. in Japan is because it's just, it's just a thing that every Japanese person is going to be familiar with because they all had to read it in school. Got it, got it, got it. Um, so yes, so second episode. So, uh, so this, this, one, episode, this one begins in a... In a... Uh, yes. casino which and yes. it, it reminded me of a couple things it reminded me of the episode whichever yes, one of bebop me of like episode two of bebop where, when we in, when we're introduced to uh faye valentine yes uh, because yeah in both cases they are uh basically captured and blackmailed by the owner of a casino to yeah. to, to do a job yeah, uh, so Fujiko bets herself at a casino and loses, and then is of course stripped naked and and appraised by the old woman who runs the casino. She's not. Um, she's not old exactly. I, I forget what she looks like. I don't have a screenshot uh, of her. Oh no, I do have a screenshot. Okay, yeah, and she's not she's old. She's a, a milf. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so, uh, so, yeah. so Fujiko. But yeah, like you, were t- you were talking about Cowboy Bebop being related to this show, or like I, I, I definitely like I took a note that was like this is a really good companion piece or follow up to Cowboy Bebop because in that Cowboy Be- in our Cowboy Bebop episode we talked about how there's nothing out there that feels like Cowboy Bebop, and this is the closest to anything I've seen post Cowboy Bebop that feels like it's attempting even anything in the same ballpark as Cowboy yeah, Bebop. Same, same, and I think um, this episode too. It's my favorite episode of the show, I think, hmm. um, and I think, and I think, um, partly because it's it's the most <clears throat> Bibopian. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> you know, uh, Bebop esque. Oh, I, I you said Bibopian. Bibopian. I, I thought you were talking about Bibi Babis. Uh, no, no. Um, yeah, but yeah, 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 I think you're right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so the MILF, um, yeah, so the MILF strips Fujiko naked and she is like, you know, I need you to do something for me. You need to go steal this gun from my former, my like husband's former bodyguard who killed him and switched sides. Um, and Fujiko's like, sure, because I don't really have a choice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and and so Fujiko gets driven over there in a in a car by a guy who explains for a long time this town has been ruled by us the Italian family, <laughs> but ever since our last boss was killed and his wife Sicilina took the reins, the Chinese mafia has completely taken over. And he says the English phrase Italian family. Uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't his name Penne? <laughs> Fuck, that would be really good. I mean, in, in my notes, I guess I have MF said penne. <laughs> and, <I'm, laughs> and I, I that forget. Re- God, that reminds me, in, in Super Punch-Out, uh, there's an Italian boxer, and his name is fucking Pizza Pasta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> I love, I love Pizza Pasta. Um... <laughs> yeah, so we're introduced to Daisuke Jigen. Uh, so do you do y'all remember the uh, the guy with the huge this like samurai with a huge chin from uh, yeah. Night of Short Walk On Girl and the Tatami Galaxy? So this sharpen that chin. Yeah, sharpen to a that razor chin. point. Yeah, yeah. Whittle that chin to a sharp point, fit for fit for murder uh, rather than fit for a life of leisure. <laughs> uh, and you have you have Daisuke Jigen. 
Um, so, so yeah. So Fujiko sneaks in via sneaks. Stri- via, sneaks seduces her way in via elaborate striptease. Um, so yeah. So the so the the head of the of the um this rival mob uh is having like tryouts for his new arm candy yeah and uh she gets the part and she crushes it um also the other thing about jigen is that he his walk cycle is exactly like that picture of uh john lennon uh, yeah, like in the show notes if you haven't yeah, seen you know, a picture of John Lennon where I he's walking do. that's like the thing about that picture of John Lennon is that's how I walk downstairs and, I think of, <laughs> and every time I walk down a set of stairs especially in public I think about that picture of John Lennon and I think about how I look exactly like that <laughs> but yeah so that's 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 Daisuke Shigen. Um and so Yes, so Fujiko tries to seduce uh, Jigen, and Jigen is like, I don't like women. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't like women. Yeah, um, and and he's like, you know... Un- you, you... Un- unrelatedly, I think there's a lot of uh, Lupin Jigen slash fic. <laughs> That's unsurprising, actually. Uh, yeah, the only one of these clowns... Because cool. in the mainline thing, they're like, they're like more formal partners, aren't they? I like, actually don't know. So yes, yeah, so Fujiko continues her attempts to seduce Jigen, gets more nude in the process, um, and then d- drugs him with the same like kish trick and steals his gun. Um, and we learn in this process, I forget whether it's Jigen who explains it to Fujiko or the MILF who explains it to Fujiko, um, that Jigen... Uh, was actually, I think it's the MILF who explains it to Fujiko, uh, that the MILF was actually, that, like, so the MILF gained power over the Italian mafia because her husband was originally the mob boss, and he was killed by Jigen because she was sleeping with Jigen. Well, no, she, he, well, she, she actually killed her husband. Yes, right, right, right uh, yes. She because, killed her husband, and Jigen took the fall for it. So she, so uh, she is, she is, um, kind of... Yeah, we get some flashbacks in which she is depressed in a very rich lady way. Yeah, uh, and then I my, like I wish my husband had a pointier chin. <laughs> and then uh, her her husband doesn't know like her husband doesn't understand her blah blah blah. Um, and so like he tells his new bodyguard Daisuke to kind of like keep an eye on her. And Daisuke starts kind of escorting her around. And then yeah, and she one him. thing leads to another. And they have, uh, and they're having sex in a coffin. And they start boinking, and then the husband begins to suspect and gets into a fight with her, and she yeah, yeah she shoots she, him in the struggle. She kills him, Jigen comes in, and then Jigen decides to take the fall. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, so she invites, basically, Fujiko tells Jigen right before she leaves with his gun that he that she'll be waiting for him not she, Fujiko, she, the MILF, <laughs> at, the, at the cathedral where they first did it. Um, and, which is a wild place. Um, and so, so Jigen shows up there and then a gunfight breaks out because, um, like, the MILF brings a bunch of boyos to kill Jigen and mm-hmm. Jigen assumes, like, oh, she's trying to kill me because I know the truth. And then Jigen calls her bluff and kills her. 
or yeah, so, so he yeah, so he kills all her minions, and then they both they pull they both pull guns on each other, um, and then and then they both fire, and yeah. he yeah. hits her. Yeah, he hits her, and then finds out that her gun was had no bullets in it. Right, um, and uh, that she was just trying to pretend that she was going to kill him, and he's like. That's sort of a mean thing to do. Um, <laughs> a little bit. That's a weird. That's a weird thing to do, and you kind of deserve this. Um, and then he leaves. Uh, um, and so he decides to retire from being a bodyguard and become a thief. Yeah. So he has he has a little a little banter with Fujiko um, afterwards, and yeah, he's like, "Well, I'm done with um, yeah this life." And and Fujiko says something about how the milf was. Uh, killed by her own past but that she will out, always outrun hers yeah uh, yeah which is the, that's the other thing about this show that connects it with bebop is themes of of dealing with and confronting one's past yeah because although it goes uh, in a wildly different direction yeah which yeah i think is is appropriate i i it would be bad yeah, if, if it it's, was it's, just yeah it's yeah it would be it would be boring if it was too kind of um wrote uh uh yeah imitation but yeah like like Faye, um fujiko uh has memory problems yeah um so yeah so then episode <laughs> why did i say memory problems why did i just say lost her memory um i feel like it's 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 less explicit how complete the amnesia is i suppose with, so with fujiko whereas with Faye, it's like she has amnesia whereas with fujiko it's like she's She's put her past in a tiny little box and has agreed not to look at it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so then, episode three, we meet the samurai, samurai boyfriend, friend. samurai friend, but in English. Uh, boyfriend, so, Sam. So yes, so we are introduced to Ishikawa Goemon the thirteenth. So uh, Ishikawa Goemon was like a real historical Japanese figure. Um, he was executed along with his son by being boiled alive. Uh, for trying to he like did some assassination attempt on some like uh like tokugawa era or like uh sengoku jidai era like <laughs> leader and he didn't and for this he was punished by being boiled alive there is so he's like a huge japanese folklore figure uh. and much like ishikawa going on the 13th he's like sort of often ascribed like outlandishly amazing samurai abilities yeah. um which is is why is he also a, is he also a himbo? I don't really think he's a himbo. Okay. Um, I think that's a that's a new characteristic. In <laughs> um, but yeah, fun fact: there is a kind of bathtub that is somewhat common in Japan. It's like an outdoor bathtub with a and it's shaped like a big pot basically, and you put like a fire underneath it to heat up the water inside, and it's called a goemon bath. Oh, um, that's because kind of that's kind of morbid. It's kind of morbid, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, keep an eye out. Next but the more important pay. name we learn in this in this episode is Trunk Giorb. Trunk Giorb. <laughs> who is the Who is the head of state of some fictional European country? Yeah, I, I, I based on the the relationship with casinos, I think it might be a stand-in for Monaco. Uh, uh anyway so yeah so ishikawa goemon who i will refer to simply as goemon uh ha is hired he's an assassin and he's been hired to assassinate the he's been hired to assassinate tronk Georg because 
or really, he, he, yeah, he's been hired to assassinate Tronk Kjorb, and he's been, um, and he's been hired to do so by, like, an intermediary, so he doesn't know the person who's actually contracting him, but it is this, like, minor baron, not minor baron, actually a pretty major baron, who, uh, is married to Tronk Gjorb's daughter, if I'm correct, but, and wants to inherit, uh, the kingdom. Oh, right, he's not, he's not a, yeah, he's, he's like a, he's like an unelected head of state. Yeah, Uh, and he wants to inherit the kingdom, and he, but he can't do so because the kingdom will actually pass to Tronk Gjorb's, like, grandson, who is this little boy whose parents died in a mysterious accident. Now, here's the thing. Mr. Baron uh, dipshit face has clearly not played enough Crusader Kings because uh, the order that you have to do this in is you have to kill the kid first because right. if you kill Tronk Gjorb, then it will just pass to the kid and you're fucked. Well, you, uh, but I guess, I guess, I, I think... Uh, uh, you well, have he, to kill everybody else yeah. besides you who's between you and inheritance yeah because you're the way that primogenitor works is that that kid is like lower down than you so it depending on who he's related to it might either way if you want to avoid this kid be, being king of a country which it sounds like he does you need to kill the kid first yeah, I'm just I mean, saying. I, as your, as either... your advisor, as your lawyer, I am required to tell you that you must kill the child first. Presumably, he's either going kill, to also kill the kid or try to become like the... Um, uh, the regent. Regent. Let's... If we're, this, this is my charitable interpretation of... But of course, if he uh, wanted to become the regent, then he could just wait and he didn't have to stage an assa- a risky assassination. Uh, you're because, right. Yeah, there was no yeah, need. He's I just guess. not very. He hasn't played enough Crusader Kings. He, he really hasn't. Okay, that's our that's our book recommendation. Play Crusader Kings. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, going on. So, meanwhile, Fujiko Mine is pretending to be or has infiltrated this royal family in search in search of the like tons and tons of like national treasures that they have with them that they've taken to a museum exhibit in france and are taking back home i believe something like Uh, that something like that yeah so Um, most of the national treasures of this little dinky country are on one single train yeah and fujiko wants it funny Um, thing the first time i saw this show like it took me (laughs) a little longer than it should to realize it was that was fujiko in disguise i didn't realize until uh, like episode ten of this show that that okay, was supposed to be Fujiko. I, I don't feel as bad now. It was late. No, I only realized when Isikawa go in the episode when Goemon flashes back to first meeting her. <laughs> oh, um, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, intru- which is stupid because she introduces herself as Fujiko Mine in this episode. Wait, does she? <laughs> yes, she does. And I remember that as soon as I saw that because I was like, I know, I knew Fujiko showed up at the end of the episode. Yeah, and. I knew so. I knew she was on the train, but I did. I thought she was just hidden from view the entire time. <laughs> and then I remembered as soon as I saw the flashback. Oh right, that was Fujiko. She introduced herself as Fujiko Mine uh, to to Goemon. We're both so fucking. We're both fully bimbofied. Um, so yes. So the guy who the intermediary who spoke to Goemon on behalf of the Baron, also infiltrates the train. And he plans to kill everybody on the train because he goes into the uh, 
the front car fuck with the, the engine car right. um and kills the driver oh yeah um, so, so does he decide to do that just as insurance or does he or does something happen that makes him not trust goemon to i don't think so i actually don't know i think he okay. tries i think he decides to do it as insurance because what, that's what goemon thinks goemon yeah. is like he doesn't trust my assassination right. abilities and so he's right. come in and done it himself um and so the train starts running wildly out of control um and apparently nobody knows how that there's a big lever labeled brakes that you can pull um it's written in english it's written it's written in english and all these people speak french and french and japanese so um except the word friend (laughs) Um, samurai friend samurai friend (laughs) yeah there's a whole there's a whole conversation where like Fujiko like explains that the word friend means tomodachi to uh to Goemon, which makes almost no sense in the English subtitles. Um, <laughs> you know. Right. So so yeah, so he, so b- before Goemon like reaches the trunk orb, um he bumps into the kids and they immediately befriend him. Yes, and then, they declare him samurai friend. And he meets Fujiko, who's posing as their tutor, or governess, uh, and falls in love with her immediately. Yeah. Uh, and then, after the other assassin kills the kills the engineers, and he realizes that um, they don't trust him to do the job, he's like, well, fuck it. Uh, if they don't trust me, then yeah, I'll spill I'm, the beans. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna switch sides. Yeah, so uh, he goes up to Tronk Yorb and it's like I was hired to kill you, but I'm not going to do so because the guy who hired me to kill you is the guy who just tried is trying now to kill both me and you. So I'm on your side now. Deal with it. <laughs> um, and then this is a part where I don't. The physics of the situation are strange. Because they're like, we need to to slow the train down. We need to cut the train and detach the cars containing the treasure. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. Because if the train is lighter, it will go faster from the same amount of force from the engine. Right. Um, and also, like, it... So... It, it's just it's a strange choice is what i would say i don't think it's necessary because if because i i imagine what they think that they're trying to do what like the writer thought was that like oh you need to reduce the amount of inertia that the train has but if the train was traveling on inertia it would have stopped already yeah um so yeah i don't i don't understand how this stops the train but it has to be this way because it's set up so that fujiko can't get her loot once again right. um so yeah so Ishikawa Goemon has been set up as having a samurai sword that can cut through anything, um, isn't the other important thing here. So he, you know, climbs up on the roof of the train, and, like, there's, like, a fight sequence. Um, I, I, I'm glossing over this because it's not very interesting for podcasts. podcast. All the fight sequences in the show are incredibly animated. They're all just delightful to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, like, like the, the kind of the art style is great, but also, yeah, also the like action sequences are animated very well yeah like it, it's in a good style and it, it's done really really well like it, it's just like everything you can just tell that like 
they really, really cared and put a lot of time and effort into all of the scenes and all the animation. There's a lot of really, really great animation in the action sequences. Yeah. And um, it was, it's, this is 2012, right? Yeah. Which I, I keep thinking it's more recent because it, like, it, it still recent. looks, it still looks so good. Yeah. Um, but um, it like, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't make heavy use of like, 3d or anything it feels so very much like mononoke in the sense that like yeah, when it does yeah. use 3d there's there's a number of sequences where it's like i can tell that this is 3d but it's integrated really really well right you know right. like um in this episode or in a later episode there's like a sequence where no it, it is at the beginning of this episode when they're getting onto the train it's obviously the entire train platform and like the train and stuff are all 3d models that have been composited <laughs> but they like refrain from unmotivated camera movement yeah. and yeah. um you know composite things in such a way that it looks really really nice um, you know, like the, when you start to notice it and it starts to look bad is when they start like showing off and like rotating the camera pointlessly like it's a live action movie, right. um, which you shouldn't do in a live action movie either. Stop fucking moving the camera when you don't need to. Because <laughs> you just have like two characters who are talking to each other yeah. and you're just going to spin the camera around them for the no. entire goddamn scene. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so the, what happens next? So yeah, so going on. Yeah, he breaks the train cars apart and saves everyone. Um, and then he, you know, goes off into the sunset and then he meets Fujiko on like a castle wall <laughs> somewhere. Um, and and she's like dressed up in like, she's like dressed up like a babushka. Oh, yeah. So she, yeah, I think this is, I think this is Trank's castle. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, I'm not sure why the samurai boyfriend is there, but then, uh, yeah, she shows up and uh, he stops her and he asks her what like what she was doing there and, and um, slices all her clothes off. Yeah, and she's wearing the giant like wrestling belt that the king, right, yeah, that is like the the. Um, the equivalent Proper. of a the equivalent of a crown. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 this is the king of wrestling. The king of yeah, this Trank is this Gjorb. is yeah, Trank Gjorb, Trank Gjorb, the great ancestor of Vince McMahon. And uh, so yeah, she th there weren't any other national treasures, so she stole his belt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then. Yeah, <laughs> fuck! Then, I forgot about this line where she she walks up to him and kisses him, and then she runs off because the the guards are coming, and he asks, "Did I just get a real girlfriend?" <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to all the fake girlfriends he said. <laughs> he's such like he he's like a he's like a fourteen year old. <laughs> I know he's so good. He's so good. Uh, I love him so much. <laughs> Um, so yeah and then he he cuts all the clothes off of the guards who come to apprehend him and runs off into the woods and the episode ends uh, so then episode four begins with a sex montage um of fujiko having sex with zenigata while the cops watch the keyhole um and oh yeah then oscar clear kicks them all out of the hall because uh he's fuming yeah, uh, that that his 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 Zenigata would. So, yeah, the uh, twist in this episode is like a fucking. This is feels like a Phoenix Wright case. It does, doesn't it's it? It's such a Phoenix Wright case because there's like 
there's like a weird object and then there's like a person who's pretending to be another person and it's like actually like living somewhere else and then like it's it's such like a weird this it's such a it's it's like it's like a couple of degrees off from being a phoenix Wright case so yeah so so after it really is a fan and in the same way as a lot of phoenix Wright cases are like pastiches of like famous genres and stuff like that this is a phantom of the opera pastiche yeah Um, i have i don't really i don't like phantom of the opera i i saw it on broadway once and i don't remember a goddamn thing about it i've i've never seen it um that was seeing Phantom. I had, we, my mom took me to see it. We had really good seats. Seeing Phantom in the Opera. That was when I realized I just don't like musicals because I walked out of that yep. experience and I felt nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, musicals don't do it for me either. Yeah, and I feel like if you if you walk out of like orchestra seats of Phantom of the Opera, uh, and and you feel nothing, uh, <laughs> um, Fujiko, uh, in exchange for for clemency. Uh, has sex with Zedigata, and he's like, okay, well, the sex was great, but we need something else from you. Um, we need you to help us stop Lupin from stealing this jewel-encrusted mask that belongs to this famous opera singer called Ayan. That's another yeah. thing. A, fa- a, fam- a famous singer with a weird name uh, is another Phoenix Wright thing. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, just some famous person you've never heard of and are just expected to believe is famous is a big is a big Phoenix Wright thing where they just introduce some person. Everyone knows the famous opera singer Nyan. <laughs> the famous opera singer Nyan Cat. Uh, <laughs> the other thing about this is that they, they so they I don't know what the Japanese word that they use is that they weren't paying close attention for opera, but it's consistently trans- subtitled as opera. And I was like, do they know that opera is sung through? Because there's a scene, there's like a dialogue scene in this opera that they're performing, which <laughs> that's not opera. Uh, they sing the whole time. They goofed um, again. So yes. So, so yeah. So Fujiko is like brought on as a consultant um read these jewels um and so she gets she gets taken on a tour of the opera house including the roof where they extract honey that uh, <laughs> as as one does yeah uh and a river that allows you to forget your past by washing it away um, standard standard theater house fair um but yeah and then they're confronted by a weird old man who works as a stagehand who tells them that uh a ghost haunts the opera there is a phantom of the opera. What? Uh, so then the show starts happening, and the phantom shows up in the rafters and drops a light, which almost hits Ion. Um, and she's like somehow incapacitated by this. Oh, um, right. And she has to go lie down. And so Fujiko gets dressed up to take her place as yeah. a double for the next section of the show, um, which is like a whole like solo sequence where she just sings a bunch. Um, and so. And then she's standing, this is ripped directly from Phantom of the Opera, is that she stands on a trap door, which lowers her into the stage at the end of the act. Um, uh. But they, they, they describe it weirdly because they're like, af- you're going to be lowered by the trap door after the curtains close. And it's like, what's the point of having a trap door lower her off after the curtains close? She could just walk <laughs> off if the curtains are closed. <laughs> um, Method acting, Cass. <laughs> Method, yeah, it's important. So, of course, the trapdoor that she's standing on activates early, and she gets trapped below in, like, a cage below the stage, and Ion emerges early, um, you know, and comes out to sing to sing the next part. Um, so, uh, Lupin yeah, I, then I, I, shows up. 
Right. So I'm, I, 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 even when I was watching, I don't think I followed the whole like counter, it's a, it's, it's counter thieving plot. scheme. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a very convoluted. Like, um, why, she, why, she needs to be used as bait or whatever, and what like. Yeah. Like I like they're. I think they're just, cons- like bringing basically bringing her on as a consultant, and the fact that she's like has to take as a has to go on as a double is not. Like right. plan is not but, part of the plan. Yeah, but but then like why the trapdoor happens early? How what like so the trapdoor happens early because there's a third party in this situation, which we'll get to. Right. Um. So yeah. So Lupin. Uh. So, uh, Lu- so where, Lupin where does, takes make, takes so his Lupin takes releases the, the bees. Lupin releases the bees oh, is right. what happens. He releases the bees that are on the roof. Um. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> in order to cause a scene so he can go and steal the mask. Yeah, and and, and then he got is like, why are there bees? And then somebody who works at the opera is like, they're the ones we keep on the roof. <laughs> um, just because of the beekeeper on the roof being like, come back! Yeah, and so then she, Lupin steals the mask, which leaves Ion maskless, which reveals... Because it's important to note, Ion has been wearing the mask because she burned her face. Right. Is why she wears the jewel-encrusted mask. Um... Uh, which is also a fan of the opposite back. Um, and so it finds out that the person who is Ion is not actually Ion. She's a stagehand pretending to be Ion who worked there five years ago. Yeah. Um, so Fujiko then escapes the cage that she's trapped in. And uh, this is where we get our first flashback. Yeah, Owl to, Time. Yes, uh, to Owl Time. Um, but it's, it's very vague. We don't really see anything. Yeah. She sees um, like a door with an owl on it and gets out the weird kind of, well, she, no, uh, she, she, ste- she steps into the river that lets you forget your past. Oh, I thought yeah. she also saw an owl door. Pro- possibly. Possibly. Um, so um, yeah. So then, uh, Zenigata and Lupin are getting into a chase through the backstage area. This opera house is like impossibly huge and complex for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lupin like, this is this is a really good sequence where he like he like gets like a fake blood pump and then like just shoots like a ton of fake blood onto Zenigata. Like, right. So, uh, yeah, Zenigata like shoots him, and then it turns out he hit like his he had like I don't know armor or something, but all the blood coming out is fake, and then he whips out this giant pump and pumps all the fake blood he had in his like bodysuit onto Zenigata. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, yeah. Oscar shows up and is like, Zenigata, you're covered in blood and which allows Lupin to, to get away. And then... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oscar thinks he's dead. He's like, oh, how tragically beautiful. Wait, I mean <laughs> Yeah. And then Fujiko gets caught by the Phantom who then tries to kill her, and then another phantom shows up. <laughs> there are two phantoms. And it turns out that one of the phantoms is Ion, and the other phantom is the stagehand who warned her earlier about the ghost. And the, the, Ion, who, the Ion who has been performing is the stagehand who's been performing for years since uh, Ion, the real Ion burned her face. has been Nora, a stagehand. And then the real Ion intentionally burned her face to go into hiding in the catacombs uh, below the opera house. 
this right. with so the prop master who she really loves but would never be allowed to date for some reason um and <laughs> right. like the thing and then ion like throws the mask into the fire as though like it would destroy a gold mask um yeah so so in, so so because she couldn't keep her career if she did the stage hand she gives up her career anyway <laughs> and lives underground for yeah, the rest of like, her life yeah it's like why didn't you just quit your job <laughs> like what like and like why did you have to actually burn your face <laughs> no one's ever seen you yeah it, it really is it's like a bad phoenix Wright case this is the end <laughs> where yeah, it's it's, oh. Yeah, so then, then they make dinner for Fujiko, and she destroys the mask. And Where it's just like, there's there's such a ludicrous scam going on, where you're just like, why would anybody do anything? <laughs> um, so yeah, so then next episode begins, Fujiko is naked, as per usual, uh, and she's swimming in a pool full of green jello. Yeah, as per. Uh, as per. Um, and Lupin's hanging out. Um and um yeah, he's like, like what, what's so fun about stealing boring shit like jewels and stuff like that i like to steal cool stuff like the empire state building <laughs> um and so lupin in an attempt to to win over fujiko brings her some roses which are not actually roses they're like made out of alexandrite which is in the show they claim that alexandrite appears red under some kinds of light and blue under other kinds of light that's not true um womp, womp. so I, I do not change color so fujiko is like you know this is this is good but if you want to seduce me with alexandrite you need to bring me the biggest one there is um which is a and she's like you know they found a new pyramid in egypt right yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a, a um, new pyramid dropped yeah a new pyramid just dropped and so she's like, there's this, like, Alexandrite peacock in this newly discovered pyramid that you need to go find. Uh, and if you bring me that, then then I'll love you. Um, and so Jigen goes to Egypt independently um, just to, like, find himself. Uh, <laughs> uh, and everybody thinks that he's, just by looking at him, he's a murderer because of how sharp his chin is. Um, I mean, are they wrong? They're not wrong um you know and he so he goes into a pawn shop to sell his gun and the lady working the pawn shop is like you're still gonna need this you don't seem like a man who can earn a respectable living uh and then tells him and then she's like i have a job for you steal this alexandrite peacock so they both go to the pyramid um which is of course like legendarily cursed or whatever and um there's like a big like flaming sphinx head that's like leave this place and and yeah. uh, and a bunch of traps and stuff like that and jigen realizes that none of the traps are original to the pyramid they've all been placed by other thieves trying to trip each other up um for some reason and one, and so a bunch of them have been placed by lupin who is the one responsible for the giant flaming sphinx and so then they get into a gunfight and lupin like pulls out his gun and is like and points at Jigen and, and is like, what are you here to steal? And Jigen is like, the Alexandrite peacock. And Lupin is like, that is the worst answer possible. Um, yeah, so they this is actually the, their first time meeting in this show. Yes, yes, we've met both of them separately, but they have not interacted yet. Um, so they get into a gunfight. Um, Lupin like detonates some explosives and causes a cave-in, and which separates them um, and almost kills, almost kills Jigen. And then 
Jigen navigates his way through the rest of the pyramid and makes his way to finds the sarcophagus at which point he is ambushed by Lupin with a gun who's been like uh surprise uh I was following you the whole time because I didn't know how to solve any of the traps thanks for doing them for me um <laughs> so the sarcophagus is locked by this um like a scale like the scales that you weigh your soul against a feather sort of thing all right um, and so Lupin like picks up the stone that's supposed to like absorb his sins and puts it on the scale. And surprisingly, it's perfectly balanced and the sarcophagus <gasps> opens and they take out the sarcophagus and then the real trap activates, which is that a bunch of fucking scorpions show up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then a door opens to like the void and they get sucked into like a sand whirlpool where they're just like standing in a sand whirlpool. Um, and then Fujiko shows up. And she's like, thanks for navigating all the traps for me. I couldn't figure out how to get past this one, which is why I enlisted both of you. Uh, one of you is going to have to die to turn it off. Uh, you'll, <laughs> it, you know, you'll go through the bottom and you'll get juiced. Uh, and then the other one of you, uh, you can love me forever. Uh, have fun. Um, and... <laughs> right, when Fujiko shows up, uh, Lupin asks, like, what? Did you do it with this Magnum guy? And <laughs> Fujiko says, there's nothing Magnum about that part of him at all. Jigen <laughs> uh, uh, confirmed to not have a Magnum dong. Uh, <laughs> um, so, eventually... What they work out is that there's a the sack of scorpions is hanging above them, and they can actually just drop the sack of scorpions into the trap, and it will deactivate them. Rip. But scorpion blood, it turns out, is blue. And so there's <gasps> a part of this legend about the peacock where they're like, um, uh, where like the red smiling peacock forebodes, like it will it will give you great wealth, and the blue smiling peacock forebodes death. Um, <gasps> and so they turn this peacock blue. Uh, and then it reveals the red peacock uh, from, be- from behind it. And they pick up the peacock and a million tiny insects crawl out. I actually don't know what kind of bugs these are. They look horrible. Yeah, they're kind and, of And they crawl all over the place. And, and Fujiko sets the bugs on fire and then sets the whole pyramid on fire. And so they need to escape. And they figure out that there's a secret exit because the builders always put one in so they can get out. Um and this there's a secret exit but it's keyed so you have to put the peacock back before the door will no! uh and so she leaves behind the peacock um and then lupin and jigen decide to settle the score and have like a duel outside the pyramid uh and then they see they see another peacock and they're just like maybe we should call it i hope i never see you again and then Kuchka rides off on her motorcycle yeah uh episode six it's the utena episode it's the it's the class s yuri episode it's a class s yuri episode uh, um, so yeah this but, episode <laughs> goes, it, also goes some places this goes yeah this is completely off the rails so it begins yeah. as like a send-up of like the extremely like tropey like early yuri uh, it's a highly realistic all-girls school where Fujiko is teaching and every girl is gay for her. Yeah. Um, um, I, and yeah, if, if, if I think we've talked about class S on this show, but have. like it's it's the it's a term for kind of a 
um, romantic set of, friendships, a, a set of tr- a set of tropes, manga. yeah, in which like between girls, between girls, that is that is like assumed to be temporary, yeah, uh, and that like it, it was it's, some, it's it's a it's like something that they grow out of once they enter like the real world, yeah. And I think, like, I've read some stuff about Class S stuff that paints it in a slightly better light in the sense that it's what was, in the earliest days of manga, acceptable for lesbian romance being produced. And it was an important step towards the more modern kinds of more explicit lesbian romance that exists now. There was a period when that was kind of the only way you could get away with gay stuff. Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, but then, like, because, because it was, like... It, it, it took on a life of its own uh, and you still get kind of instances of it now. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. It's still, you know, nowadays if it happens at a show, it feels like it feels like gay baiting because we've had shows right. that have done more. Right. Um, we're in a manga, you know, not just in a show. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is, yeah, it's a send up of that sort of thing where all the girls love Fujiko um and, and she she's is she is this, they, like, very like all at this all girls school and she's and she's totally she's totally milking it um, <laughs> yeah. she, she loves it um, uh, but, but and of course it turns out that she is there to steal uh something from one of the students yes so so, so she gets confessed to by a student and then gets confessed to by another student who has long dark hair and she's beautiful and her dad well, so, so, yeah, so this so, is so, the most the plot point in this one i've had a quibble about the plot of all of these which is not <laughs> the plot point that this revolves around is insane it's yeah it's a really da vinci code ass like it is so her dad was a famous physicist and he just died and he left behind two halves of a manuscript describing his new physical theory and it's like clearly like a reference to general and special relativity um because of like the era in which this takes place and stuff like that but like it's they're like they're like each half it's like two pieces of a puzzle and they can't be understood one can't be understood without the other and it's like (laughs) what are you talking about what the fuck are you talking about that's not how any of this works you know and they're like so we can like they have some like elaborate scheme where they want to like sell them or like keep them private yeah. or something like that and like they're like oh this is super valuable and it's like it's not that valuable <laughs> it's just a manuscript it's like right. you know it's just a thing a guy wrote but yeah so for his, yeah so fujiko's trying to steal it so like yeah the first girl confesses to fujiko and she does like the oh the, the, you're just you're just a you're just a kid like when you grow up you'll uh you'll like move past these feelings and that and then she, and then um the her target the other the long dark hair girl has been writing love poetry and like drops it all when fujiko comes up and fujiko finds it and it's like oh ho ho and then um yeah and it's and like then seduces oh, yeah, the girl it's about kissing technique <laughs> they start they start dating in secret um and so the other girls there's like a, a whole you know cute class s dating montage um and 
and then the, the other, other girls, girls who are so jealous and then, yeah and they get super jealous and they corner her in like the i don't know what building this is the corner and, the the, the student not yeah they corner the studium uh, the stu- studium the student in the auditorium um and they uh, cut uh, off her her beautiful braids yeah um and so she goes then to fujiko's apartment um and he's like i would like some lessons in kissing technique um and so they start making out in fujiko's room and because fujiko's just been lying on her bed in lingerie like you do as Uh, as one does as one does and and is just like you know i think i'm sick of babysitting children and then while they're making out the student uh knees fujiko in the stomach and knocks her on the ground uh, and like kicks her a few times and then takes off her wig and reveals that it is in fact Oscar. It's the twin. It's the, it's the femboy. Um, so yeah, Oscar tried cross-dressing and it really worked. Yeah. Let me tell Th- you. Let this be a lesson to you all. Cross-dressing, it works. Um, <laughs> it's fun and educational. You can learn all sorts of things about yourself. You. <laughs> so... Yeah, so then we get a whole a whole flashback to Oscar and Zenigata, um, like working on this case and trying to figure out who might be going after this girl who was holding on to the other half of the secret um, secret relativity. Um, yeah, this physics d- paper. It's oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> uh, I, I like I can't like I can't think directly about it because it's so convoluted and stupid. Like it's just like there's a thing. That it's it's the ultimate MacGuffin, yeah. Yeah, and like and like the information required to steal it needs to be gotten from this student. So Oscar, yeah, they could have put, yeah. they could have put anything in her little locket. They, I yeah. don't know why they bothered to, <laughs> to, to put the most ridiculous thing possible. Yeah. So she okay. So so yeah. So then Lupin shows up because he's interested in this whole situation. Um, and he is immediately seduced by Oscar in disguise as this student. Um, right. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Oscar, still in disguise, gets surrounded by the bully girls again uh, and is rescued or then yes, then is rescued, is by, rescued Lupin. by Lupin. And then, and then once, once the girls realize that a man has entered their little secret all-girl haven, they whip all this, all the female they students whip out, out semi-automatic guns. rifles. They all pull out submachine guns. Oh yeah, no, yeah, there's <laughs> and and, uh, and Lupin carrying Oscar dressed as a girl uh, goes scampering off into the greenhouse and hide. Where yeah. at which point, which which is which is all according to Keikaku, uh, yeah. because because Oscar knew that he would they would they would. We also get another make, flashback in this of uh, a number of owls examining a, a small child. Uh, oh, owls! Okay, that's important. Let's put a, let's put a little tag on that. Yeah, uh, put and a pin so, in that. We'll come back. So um, Oscar locks the greenhouse door and releases all the gas to knock out Lupin. Yeah, yeah, he releases knockout gas, and then he gets contacted on his walkie-talkie by Fujiko. Okay, oh, right, so he had, he had like, he had, like, t- knocked her out and tied her up in her bedroom, but Lupin, I think, before he uh, got in the scrape with Oscar, had found her and untied her? her? yeah. Yeah, I yeah so. okay. Um, and, yeah, and so, so she contacts Oscar via walkie-talkie and claims to be torturing, uh, torturing Zenigata for the code. And like pulling out his fingernails, um, and so Oscar immediately, like immediately folds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he 
yeah yeah he's like what are you talking about that she pl- then it, he then he hears and he got his voice over the over the thing yeah, screaming saying, Don't and saying, do like, that, I'll, die. I'll, I'll die <laughs> yeah, and oscar just collapses like a little yeah he falls immediately <laughs> and gives up a code to fujiko and then zenigata shows up and is just fine uh, and it turns out that Fujiko had been playing audio of them having sex. <laughs> just, just uh, cut up to make it sound like he was. Just cut up to make it sound like he was being tortured. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah. And so, and, and so, me- Lupin, meanwhile, once yeah. we, while Oscar had had left his post, Lupin had escaped the greenhouse. Yes, and then, and then each with one half of the code. Him yeah. and Fujiko. And then they meet up and they're like, well, we'll split. We'll split. And I think this is the first time they actually make a yeah, successful they actually heist. Make a success- and it's because they work together. Because see? they work together. How, uh, how sweet. The awesome power of teamwork. Friendship. Um, You'd love to see it. Uh, so, yes, we are introduced to. So, we had Tronk Giorb earlier in this episode. We did. But Tronk Giorb pales in comparison to Fiedel Kestrel, <laughs> the leader of the, rev- of the socialist revolution in the small island nation of Carib. Uh, Fiedel Kestrel is like almost young Freud to names, if you, if you remember that from our, our very first episode on Gunbuster, um, which you should not go back and listen to. <laughs> our very first episode of this entire podcast uh yeah uh it's almost we finally it's been three years but we finally found a name that's as good as <laughs> freud and it's fiedel kestrel um so yeah oh yeah so this is our third year anniversary isn't this it this is our third year anniversary holy yeah. shit our 36th episode yeah that is so Bujikomine is pretending to be a journalist uh, reporting on the revolution, and he has, she's she's become quite close with, uh, Fidel Castro, <laughs> the leader the leader of the revolution, based on no persons living or dead. <laughs> what do they call the like the U.S. again? Oh yeah, yeah right, the United States of Yamericana. And, and the, well, the White House is the Great House. The Great House. So, yeah. Um, also, we get introduced to the concept of the Doomsday Clock, which is explained very poorly. Um, so the Doomsday yeah, clock, yeah, yeah. I also wrote, that's not what the Doomsday Clock. So the Doomsday clock. clock, if you don't know, is something maintained by the uh, International Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. And it is used by them to determine how close the world is to originally nuclear disaster, but it is, is expanded in scope to any sort of world-ending catastrophe. Uh, we're currently pretty... And so the idea is that at midnight, the world has ended. And so how close we are, to, how close the time is to midnight uh, is how close the world is to ending based on like geopolitical factors. Um, and we're pretty close right now, mm-hmm. as you might expect, because the world is terrible and also climate change is a thing. Um, yeah. And so she explains it like when the clock strikes midnight, it's going to cause the world to end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So this whole thing. So, okay. So, so, uh, so she, yeah. So she's actually been sent to assassinate him. Um, and the United States, and this is actually kind of real, like, it's, it's, it's done in a weird way, but the United States, as soon as the Cuban Revolution happened, the United States started, be, started being like, we need to wipe that place off the fucking map. Yeah. Uh, like, immediately. Yeah, the, yeah um, like, um, this, this um, follows in the proud 
tradition of like hating the u.s yes <laughs> in, um, in, in yeah, anime. This, this, the political center of this episode is strange and i can't quite place it uh but it's i feel like it's heart is in the right place um it does paint the it does despite how wacky this episode is it actually manages to make the bay of pigs invasion seem like less of a stupid ludicrous clown show than it actually was um <laughs> because so, so yeah so like they're it's so like the United States is planning a preemptive strike, and then the Soviet Union is. This is like pre-Cuban Missile Crisis is when this is taking place because they keep referring to their Soviet Union stand-in wanting to store nuclear missiles in Cuba. Oh right. Um, and so they they keep referring to that as like a future thing that's going to happen. Um, and so yeah, so the U.S. is planning this, and and like the um, and then also like the representatives of the old regime are trying to assassinate uh fidel kestrel um and so like fujiko and fidel are on a like plane together and then it gets hijacked by like agents of the previous government um and uh and like the conflict just like keeps escalating and escalating and escalating and like the u.s troops show up with planes and soviet planes show up and then like the everything is like is like building it and then Ishikawa Goemon shows up, standing, wing-walking on a propeller-driven aircraft, uh, and cuts a missile apart with his sword. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so the Soviet planes fire first. They shoot missiles at the... I forget, which, I forget who they actually fire on, whether it's the Americans or the Cuban plane. Uh, and then everyone's freaking out because they've just, like, potentially triggered World War Three. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, the samurai boyfriend shows up and destroys the missiles with his sword. And Fidel Castro looks at the nose, like, "Who the fuck is that?" And she goes, "Like, oh, that's my boyfriend. I, I asked him to come help us." Yeah, um, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And then, so yeah, so there's been this like whole like subplot where like Fidel, Fidel, excuse me, is. <laughs> Uh, is hide is going to go give a speech at the UN in the future and is hide is claim so the old regime claimed that it had hidden oil fields right that it wouldn't let anybody else know about and Fidel is Fidel is claiming that uh, the oil fields were a lie made up by the old regime and but a lot of people think that he's in fact lying about that and he's going to the UN to say that they're a lie so that it'll be like a fact on the record or something as though that's how that works. Um, and so then it's revealed that he is actually lying about it and tells Fujiko where they actually are. Um, and then at the end of the episode, so they jump out of the plane and this is ludicrous. They jump out of the plane and then like Goemon catches them and they all land on the propeller driven plane and they all escape. And then the episode ends with Fujiko and Ishikawa Goemon sitting on the beach where Fujiko reveals that this beautiful beach that they're sitting on is actually the hidden oil field, um, you know, which is is sort of an explanation for why they're not exploiting it. Um, right, because... Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, she had been talking about... Um, like, oh, right, their their Soviet Union equivalent is Roninania. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Samurai Boyfriend remembers something that she said uh, in episode three when they first met about she doesn't really have any place to call home. Um and so i yeah so i think the idea is oh yeah also she's topless during this scene oh of course um 
not that this is like a place that she can call home, but it's a it's where like Fidel, yeah, Fidel. calls home, and so um, she doesn't want to. She's too soft hearted to ruin that for him, and so and so yeah. Once again, she doesn't um, make any money off off the heist. Yeah. So. Um... Yes, so then the next episode... So yes, this is the one where they're in Brooklyn and she goes and, like, steals what is repeatedly described in the subtitles. And I didn't catch the Japanese word that was used for this, but it's described in the subtitles as a, quote, lithograph. Yeah, I was like... I was like... I had to double-check and make sure I wasn't... Like... Yeah, and I was like, I don't... I don't know what they think. You need to stop using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. (laughs) Um, And yeah, he, so, so yeah, so there's this quote unquote lithograph, which is really just like a giant holographic gold tree. It's it's not, it's, it's, so it's, I, what I thought happened, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's this big, like this big sculpture and the sculpture is not physical. I thought I okay, so I, maybe I was wrong. I thought what happened was that Fujiko makes like a three D, like render of it. Does she make a hologram and that's then project what I it thought. later to trick him? Because or, remember, that's possible. I don't. I honestly don't. It again, because, it doesn't matter. No, yeah, like they keep someone, they keep coming up with these like ludicrous things for them to steal, <laughs> and they're all really stupid. And I don't understand any of them. The point yeah. is that she's trying to steal something. But she's trying to steal the thing that a fortune teller uses to right, right, tell right. people's fortunes, which is specifically he foretells the day that people are going to die. And so Fujiko steals this, quote, lithograph, unquote. Um, and Jigen is, is contracted by somebody who has had his death foretold to him and had his life ruined by having his death foretold. In his dying moments, he tells Jigen to go and kill that motherfucker. Uh, no, actually, to go and destroy the lithograph. Um, and... So we then learn that all of the people who spoke to this fortune teller are people who have had things stolen from them by Lupin. Yes. So then Jigen goes to that same warehouse that Fujiko stole from earlier, unbeknownst to him, and tries to destroy the lithograph and then is arrested by the police who show up to deal with Fujiko's crime, which she's already fled the scene. And Lupin rescues him. In the monkey bus. Yes. Um and they <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm just I'm just going to pass over it because I have no comment. Um but yeah, like the, the bus has like a, the van that he rescues. Jigen has like a monkey on it and it's the it's like some he's the company name is like something monkey something. It's MDS and I don't know what that stands for. Uh, monkey delivery services probably. Probably. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, um yeah. So, yes. So then they agree to uh, help with this scheme that Lupin has where he... So then there's, like, a whole sequence where Fujiko is, like, nude and asleep and then an owl speaks to the fortune teller man uh, about his fortunes. I don't, I don't so, really understand it. So yeah, this is, this is where this is where like the the, the plot kind of the plot starts encroaching. So uh, our, our owl friend Hegel, uh, like, has been orchestrating some of this, and has been like 
having the fortune teller uh, kill off people that Lupin has stolen from in order to kind of rope Lupin into his his little web. And yeah, then then when he meets up with... Yeah, it's this part of the scheme that I just don't understand. I don't understand yeah. how this works. Yeah. It, it, it's like, like it, 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 when watching it, it gets by on a lot of like dream logic and nonsense. Yeah, and when, when you try, you try to, to like actually explain how it goes down, it's not... <laughs> as because it's like it's not as clever as it thinks it is or as it wants to be because like it wants to imply that like the the big bad has this extremely elaborate plan uh to like trap lupin and stuff but the the details of the plan don't make any sense (laughs) and aren't really spelled out ever but the plan does work anyway right Um, so but and so at some point, Lupin comes face to face with um, one of the owls. Uh, like all of uh, Luis U. Armade's Armada, uh, the his his he's like the the mastermind, and all his minions are like owls dressed in suits. Yeah, that's and, in another episode. That's not. Uh, well, I thought it, I thought he I, in my no, notes for happen- this what, episode. What happens- there's a thing about um, asking Lupin if he's like trying to test if he's a suitable match for Fuji. Yeah, that's what the fortune teller tells Lupin. Oh, okay. Because I had owl friend Hegel in my notes for this. There's an owl well. speaks to the fortune teller, but Lupin does not encounter an owl. In this oh, okay. So I was getting my my points mixed up. Um. So yeah. So yeah. So Lupin like sneaks into the back of the fortune teller's car as he's driving to go buy this lithograph back from Fujiko. Um, and is like, uh, and 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 basically it confronts him with the knowledge that he's he's not actually a fortune teller. He uh, predicts people's death days by using extremely slow acting poisons that will kill them precisely on the day of their death. Yeah. Um, so yes so and then he asks like why are you doing this uh and the fortune teller yeah and then the fortune teller says he was doing it because he was contracted by a certain someone to test lupin to see if he was good enough for fujiko um, oh, okay. which doesn't make any sense no not um, at all. Uh, <laughs> and so like the so then the fortune teller shows up at the meeting with fujiko and has like a brief conversation with fujiko and then Fujiko is like, you're obviously not the fortune teller, you're Lupin disguised as the fortune teller. And he's like, damn it. <laughs> and then he like, uh, uh, whoops yeah. off, whipped off the mask like a freaking Scooby-Doo villain. Yeah, and he opens his trunk to reveal that the fortune teller is tied up in the trunk. Um, and then the police show up. And then there's a gunfight and Jigen starts shooting cops with a sniper rifle. Uh, and then the fortune teller says that his he he claims that he actually used to be a real fortune teller and that he lost yeah. his power. So yeah, during, last... during the chaos, he runs off um, like a little chicken with his arms still tied. Yeah, and his and then... last act is to is supposed to be uh, telling Fujiko her death day. Um, right. and... Yeah, first he first he declares that his own death day is that very day. Yes, he yeah he says today is my death day. And he's like, and and I'll also tell you your death day. Um, but before we can hear anything, he gets... He gets electrocuted <laughs> by Fujiko. Fujiko just electrocutes him to death. Um, yeah, so, like, he... this, he, some, some, Like, this 
cross falls from the from the roof. Uh, a lightning like, bolt. A lightning lightning strikes the lightning rod, which breaks off and lands on him, which makes him especially electrically conductive for some reason, and also well, breaks the he, wire. And then yeah. <laughs> it also breaks like some of the wiring on the side of the building, and Fujiko then shoots the wire, which then causes him to become electrocuted for some reason. So he's he's like trapped to the ground by the by this spear, uh, and then yeah, and then Fujiko just like kills him. Yeah. Um. So then, episode nine. So Lupin and Jigen are at a carnival festival thing with a bunch of obnoxious American tourists. Um, <laughs> they're so obnoxious. They're so obnoxious. Uh, and they are there to steal a woman who is a quote-unquote living painting. Uh, so she's a woman, and she's been covered in tattoos by some surrealist artist um, as a living work of art. Um and so they go up there's a freak show they show like a lady who like shoves a snake through her sinuses um, <laughs> that she, that she, yeah that she gives up and coughs it's like oh yeah. sorry I've been, this is the 15th time i've been doing this today <laughs> uh, uh, i feel like this episode like could have been a lot stronger it could have been it's it's it it needed to be the problem is is that the perspective character of this episode is Lupin and Jigen and not Fujiko. Yeah. I like, like, it's not, if this episode would have benefited a lot more from more of Fujiko's perspective and more perhaps surrealism or dream logic or something, something a little bit more abstract. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit on the nose. Yeah. It's, it's uh-huh. just sort of, it's a very plot driven episode about something that is very sort of abstract and psychological. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, and, but the plot. Yeah. So they, so the circus tent starts coming down early, and it's revealed that it's Fujiko Mine, who's also here to steal this woman. Um, and then Lupin and Jigen spring into action, and it's it's actually not revealed just then that it's Fujiko. It's like a mysterious person in a in a black cloak. Yeah. Um, and they get into a bit of a fight, and Lupin and Jigen escape with the woman. Um, and Fujiko gives chase, and Jigen gives her, uh, like, a stuffed toy that he won from, like, a... Well, he didn't win it from a carnival game. Oh, yeah. So he lost the carnival his... game and then pulled out his real gun and <laughs> yeah, shot the dis- entire thing to d- fell into Despite his, his uh, like, legendary Super, talent yeah. at gunslinging, he can't win this, like, shooting game at a carnival. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so the, the woman, it turns out, is, is non-verbal, and, like, yeah. she, like, the the shitbag artist never like yeah she was raised her as a child to be an artist and never educated her in any way or interacted with her as anything but an object yeah um they give her a stuffed toy which she really big fan of a stuffed toy and fujiko shows up at their hotel room and is like give me give me her she's mine and lupin is like that's not how this works uh, and Fujiko is like, and it, he's like, oh, you know, you'll have to fight us for it. And Fujiko is like, I will then. And she starts wildly shooting uh, a machine gun at them. Uh, and so they run off and uh, she chases them to this like cable car where there's, they get on the cable car and then she shows up and then starts climbing up the cable car ropes. And there's a really wild fight sequence um, where they're yeah, like. So, they, so she's just going, she's just like. She's just going she is shit. she is not messing around here. Yeah, they, uh, they realize that like she is acting like she doesn't care if 
um, if if the thing that she's she's after dies, um, you know, um, yeah. which is, is unusual. She's acting very strangely. Um, she's normally a bit more uh, a bit more playful with her with her rivalry with Lupin. Um, so they there's this fight on the cable car, and then another cable car is coming the other direction, and so Lupin and Jigen hop and and take the the painting woman and they hop onto the other cable car and then uh shoot the the uh support holding the cable car onto the the first cable car onto the rope and then it falls with fujiko and yeah, yeah. they wonder if she's dead because they like they think they might have killed fujiko mine um um and so uh then so we, we get, get a fl- f- we, we get a flashback to fujiko finding out about this woman uh, she's like sitting in like the lavish, opulent, like Donald Trump mansion of this like weird old guy in a bathrobe, um, uh, f- presumably for some elaborate scheme, uh, and sees uh, that this woman being auctioned off on like an auction TV program. Yeah, it's one of those like. It's like, like Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for like, for like. A pure gold teapot studded with three carat diamonds. Next is the king of fruits. It's a giant durian. <laughs> and then, and, like, a human woman. And, um, and so and, she has, like, a bit of a, a bit of an episode. She sm- goes into the bathroom and smashes the mirror and then runs out and dedicates herself to stealing this thing, but not before having a flashback of a small child uh, being tortured by a bunch of owls. Uh... So yeah, so the 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 what we um, what we get kind of like very dryly parceled out by Lupin um, is that uh, Fujiko kind of she herself has been like abused and controlled. Um, yeah, yeah, too much of her Fuji- life. Yeah, so like they get they get into another so like yeah, so Fujiko shows back. So Lupin goes to find to the woods to find out if she dies discovers that she's alive because he finds her grappling hook that she used to survive and then uh looks off over the in the distance and sees her chasing a police car because a police car they they like took the woman back to their their like ryokan and then left her outside out front uh alone and the police drive by and are like hey that's the thing we're looking for um and so they take her in the car and then fujiko chases the police car and just obliterates it um she crashes into it and like the stuffed animal flies out of the window which and then like the painting lady is like that's my stuffed animal so she jumps out the window too uh and then fujiko tries to run her over um and is stopped at like the last second by uh uh lupin shooting up a tire or jigen shooting out her tire um and so then jigen is like pulling pulling a rickshaw for some reason <laughs> and and like takes takes the woman in the rickshaw and then Fujiko shoots at the tire of the rickshaw and sends her flying over the guardrail and Lupin catches her and then goes and chases it and like takes her across like this like boiling hot spring and Fujiko drops her gun into the hot spring and then they meet up on a like what Lupin claims is a natural gas field and he's holding what looks like a flare gun and he's like if I fire this we're all going to die and Fujiko has a knife at this point when she's pulled out of her boobs yes um, yeah and, so this, this is when yeah, yeah, and this is where Lupin confronts they, they, her with the fact they, that she doesn't actually want to steal this woman she wants to kill her and she doesn't actually want to kill this woman she wants to kill herself um, because yeah because this this woman's like both her kind of past and her helplessness uh remind Fujiko 
forcibly of her own childhood yeah uh and it's like but like both yeah both you her, see yourself yeah. because your life has been controlled by others you see yourself in this woman and, yeah and, and you express your desire for wanting to kill yourself by wanting to kill her and, and so, so between her self-loathing and her kind of like well just her, her displaced sense of self yeah she's um, been trying to kill this woman yeah and so she throws a knife and knocks the flare gun out of lupin's hand and takes it and then points it at her own head and pulls the trigger. And then it's revealed that it was actually just a water pistol the whole time. The one that Jigen won at the uh, yeah. shooting gallery at the beginning yeah. of the episode. And then Fujiko just like looks grimly at Lupin and then walks off into the distance. Um, and Lupin and Jigen take the painting lady to like a Buddhist monastery. They like leave her in a little box. Uh, <laughs> like a, like a, like a like stray a kitten. <laughs> or like, a like, like one would a baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, she just curled up with her little stuffed animal. And so Fujiko, then, you know, we catch up with her wandering down the highway, dazed and confused, and then she sees Goemon. Uh, samurai boyfriend. Samurai friend. Because, uh, yeah, there were, there were, like, before the episode got, like, like over-explained, like, it... it yeah, the it problem is, is that rather than doing something abstract and interesting, they just had Lupin explain the entire right the entire situation uh, to Fujiko in like, a way that like 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 they're solving a mystery. Like you would at the end yeah. of a mystery story where Sherlock explains for yeah. anybody who wasn't yeah. paying attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like this is the stuff that. that we've been seeing. None of it gave us enough information to piece it together ourselves. Right. You know, like Lupin he does this several times throughout the rest of the show where he just explains what's going on because he's been, he's been given information that the audience hasn't been given. Um, yeah. And they just need to move the plot along. So they just have Lupin explain something. And like the last episode of the show is pretty much entirely Lupin explaining something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. And so if they, if they had structured stuff like both in this episode and prior better it could have been told much more through fujiko's perspective yeah i think a lot about i like i I was thinking a lot about um the way that uh shinji in evangelion is characterized and he deals with some similar issues related to childhood trauma and and asuka and and rei do as well and like but like the way that in an episode like magma diver or uh the episode with the weird black sphere shadow thing forget what um like that episode like seeing shinji's interior and like the monologues and seconds on the train and stuff like that where like nobody feels the need to explicitly spell out shinji's problems right um like it it's obvious enough from the way from these interactions and these small scenes and these small sort of more abstract spaces that we enter into what shinji's issues are and with fujiko we don't really get with we don't really get that we don't get anything from her perspective we don't get anything that abstract or that psychological about her we get it a little bit at the end but it's from lupin's perspective um and it's not it's not actually about her spoilers right um um, Uh, it, it, it is it is just sort of strange um, and 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 the, they they've elected the sort of the most boring way to present this information. Yeah, um, and yeah, they're, they're like, and there were yeah, there were some other like threads that they they could have dealt more too. Like at one point, Fujiko's like when when she's fighting Lupin um, over the girl, she says like I'll definitely make her mine, which is exactly what Lupin says about Fujiko. Yeah, uh, and also kind of the same sort of like possessive uh, attitude that like Luis Yu Armeda has towards yeah. like 
Fujiko, we, and and we get a we get like the very 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 end of the episode of the show has like uh, some similar stuff about like pattern like cycles of abusive behavior and how like yeah. someone who's abused can in turn we'll like there. inflict we'll that there. abuse on it. But we yeah, but th- like that 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 like. Kind of, it's just not uh, the focus. Like that, so much that, of this, yeah, is, that could have been that could have been part of this episode more. And the, it's so the, preoccupied the, by its plot that it forgets what yeah. it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, like it's it, and it, it makes me think so highly of the way that Ava does it. You know, because Ava has an equally, if not more, insanely convoluted conspiracy plot at its core, but it recognizes that that insanely convoluted conspiracy plot is not the important part. I mean, in, in, um, our, in our last in our last podcast, we talked about how like the rebuilds fail comp- like to yeah. prioritize what the show sh- is like yeah, really the, about. The rebuilds, versus... especially the last one, is just like people explaining. It's just like shots of people explaining yeah. things to each other, and like the original show and end of Ava is so much less of that. And when people are just explaining stuff to each other, it's done more enigmatically and abstractly. You yeah. know, like it's it's done through. Like, what will happen in Eva or End of Eva is, like, Shinji has an issue where he feels a possessive relationship with the women in his life. And so what happens is, is he gets a little vignette where he has to watch Misato have sex. Like, and that's what happens to him to, like, that's how it, it communicates to us what the problem that he has is. It's through his reaction to that scene. And yeah. it communicates to us the details of that problem by Misato's dialogue in that scene, which is not her being his like psychotherapist or something like that it's her telling him deal with it you piece of shit (laughs) um yeah Yeah, you know and and part of the problem is is that fujiko is not this is not really a story about fujiko overcoming a character flaw um right like whereas in some ways it's emphatically not it's it's kind of the opposite it's 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 a story about fujiko realizing she's always been perfect (laughs) <laughs> um, it's it's that drill tweet where the therapist therapist yeah! says the, your problem is you're perfect you're perfect and every and everybody thinks that you're and everybody hates you or whatever and and drill and, and just like me yes yeah uh, yeah you're correct. you're perfect everyone everyone like uh, hates you for it and, and that that makes you justifiably upset yeah that makes <laughs> you justifiably upset and yeah. <laughs> I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. Like that that's that's what this show is. <laughs> you know. So like that sort of Evangelion approach is a bit more difficult because Fujiko so like but I still stand by that it like having Lupin psychoanalyze her because they're already doing these sort of like abstract flashbacks and stuff like that, and they don't really use them for anything. Yeah, it, it's kinda of, like it's kind of like it's kind of undercutting it. It, like its own like points about Fujiko's autonomy to have yeah. Lupin be like her like our guide to Fujiko. Yeah, it, it it is just strange. Like Fujiko doesn't discover anything about herself. She gets told it by Lupin. Yeah. Um. So yes. So next episode. This next episode is fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, now, now it now it's like full time plot from yeah, here we're on going out. Full plot. So this is like the most, and this is like the most abstract episode we get, and it's a Lupin centric episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it feels like, you know, parts of Ava that are very like diving into Shinji's interiority, but it's centered on Lupin, and Lupin doesn't have an interiority. <laughs> he doesn't have a yeah. brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know like 
like it, it gives us this this sort of situation but it's it's this very abstract dream-like hallucinatory sequence focused on the character whose growth we're not concerned with yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 like lupin doesn't need to learn anything um <laughs> he's fine he's been fine the whole time he's a well-adjusted young man um so Lupin wakes up and there's a owl man in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you find an owl man in your bedroom, you go to your bathroom and you get the gun out of your toilet. Yeah. Um, and uh, you point it at him and t- tell the owl to get out of your fucking house. Um, <laughs> uh, so then we learn that Lupin was actually contracted by the owl's boss. Who is a we we've alluded to this character before, but this is the first time we're really properly introduced to him, uh, which is the character of Count Luis U. Almeida, um, and uh, he has been contracted to steal the drugs in the first episode. That's why he was there. He's right. he asked by this this count, and he was also asked to steal Fujiko Mine, um, and so Lupin in the present day, Lupin decides that this owl keeps bothering him. So he's going to go to the Count's mansion to meet with him. Um, and Zenigata is also investigating this owl because of the owl's potential connection to Lupin. Um, and, uh, okay, so, so yeah. So Zenigata and Oscar arrive at the same time to meet with the Count, which leads Lupin directly to the Count's room. And then when they leave, Lupin goes into the room and then discovers that the count that they were speaking with was actually just like a complex mechanical Turk owl. Um, (laughs) Except there's no one inside it. There's no one inside it, yeah. Um, And then another owl comes into the room (laughs) and it's like, what the fuck are you doing here, you piece of of shit? Um, And like gasses him with the dizzy dizzy drug. Um... and then Lupin wakes up in in the uh, Matrix. In the Matrix, yeah. <laughs> so Lupin wakes up on like an operating table in a room covered in blood, um, and then this begins this sort of long hallucination sequence um, that sort of intersperses with things that may or may not actually happen. Um, it's so like it's like. This episode is kind of frustrating because it shows it's, this show is capable of this kind of abstract hallucinatory dream logic, and it just refuses to use it for anything that matters. Yeah, um, yeah, like yeah, know. like this, like the, like, yeah, we don't like like nothing. Like the re- entire point of this sequence is to deliver a piece of information to Lupin so <laughs> yeah. he can learn something. That's it, it's an entire twenty-two minute episode specifically to just like give Lupin some information. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, so Zenigata and Oscar uh, decide to go and investigate the destroyed town of Eulenspiegel, which means Owlmere in German. Uh, and so they go to the town of Eulenspiegel, uh, which is where the Count's pharmaceutical company, Glaucus Pharmaceuticals, used to be. Um, so Lupin wakes up on this operating table and he's hallucinating that Eulenspiegel is still operational. And he leaves, like, the uh, the facility that he's in and encounters Dr. Fritz Kaiser, who looks exactly <laughs> like Dr. Robotnik. Um, 
uh, just the most German man of all time. Fr- Fritz, Fritz Kaiser is is like dangerously close to the punch out von Kaiser. Um, <laughs> You're right. So Kaiser von Kaiser von Kaiser, not von Kaiser. His name is Kaiser. Uh, Kaiser tells him that. Glaucus Pharmaceuticals was secretly conducting human experiments in Eulenspiegel and that one of the test subjects was Kaiser's daughter, implied to be Fujiko. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, he thought like that experiments would like save the world. And so he was. Yeah. And to... it's never elaborated on why he thought that. Yeah. Um, well, in this case, it actually doesn't matter. So that's fine. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. But it is weird. Um, yeah, given given how much the show over explains in other yeah, it's situations. like it explains so much that it doesn't kind of matter, and then this matters a little bit. It, it, it's more, it would be more interesting than a lot of things that they've explained to us. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is when we get it's, it's this episode when we get the MK Ultra stuff yeah. too. And yeah, Oscar expl- talks about MK Ultra or something like that. See, um, and then Kaiser explains about the dizzy dizzy drug Fräulein Euler, which uh, causes people to hallucinate humans as owls um yep. and so uh so yeah so, so then we get a flashback to the incident that destroyed the town uh and his daughter being and and kaiser tells lupin to save his daughter and then lupin stops hallucinating the working town and realizes where he is and then Zenigata and Oscar arrive in the town and confront Lupin. Um, and Zenigata's like, you're after Fujikomine. Uh, and then they both start hallucinating owls <laughs> um, and get into a gunfight with hallucinatory owls. And then Lupin has a hallucination that he's being exper- that he's watching himself on an operating table being experimented on by Kaiser. And then gets stabbed in the hand by kaiser and then, uh, yeah, by the hallucination yeah. of kaiser and then another hallucination of kaiser appears behind him while they're in a gunfight with owls and is like there's a secret <laughs> trap door uh and then he goes into this fucking silent hill ass abandoned playground um so this raises the question of if you die in the owl do you die in real life yeah uh when he gets i forget um, if he still has the stab wound when he wakes up so yeah, and then Kaiser says, I want you to save my daughter, and then we go into a hallucination of like a super colorful, playful, childish world with uh, Kaiser's daughter, um, and uh, is like, you need to use something linked to reality to catch me like pain, and so he runs around this like hedge maze trying to catch her, and then eventually she bites his hand, and he uses that to finally yeah. grab onto her and wake up. Um and that is the end of the episode um i thought that episode was i like i thought that i was kind of impressed by that episode when i first watched it and then going back over the plot just now i realized that like how (laughs) sort of how much of a sort of stupid waste of time it is yeah like Um, we don't really we don't really like yeah get really anywhere like it's it's cool but yeah like it doesn't develop anybody's character it gives lupin a piece of information that's important for later but why did you need to give him that information via a 20 minute long hallucination sequence exactly you know it's 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 it takes up a lot of space uh yeah 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 so like yeah that's that's why yeah i was saying at the beginning like when the show kind of buckles down uh into the like serious plot it it 
it kind of it kind of uh, loses. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not like uh, it, it's just not executed super well. Yeah, because the show yeah. doesn't understand what elements of itself are that important. Right. You know, um, and it's it's it, parts of it sort of feel like it has kind of like the Riverdale or pro wrestling problem where it's trying to be <laughs> shocking. For, it's trying to think of what plot development would be most astonishing rather than <laughs> yeah. what plot element makes sense next. Um, like it's, it's, it's not super concerned. Like it, and it feel cause like the, the other thing is, is like it can't have been one. They can't have been flying by the seat of their pants that badly because it's a 13 episode show you can't be flying right. you can't be flying that far um <laughs> and then secondly like it's clear from like later plot elements that like this whole show was planned out pretty meticulously so it was just planned kind of badly yeah. um yeah so um then in our next this episode is, this is the twink episode. this is our twink our episode focused on oscar uh, so we learn Oscar's backstory, which is that he jumped off of a bridge to protect his one franc, and then uh, le- uh, was rescued by Zenigata and decided to become a cop. Uh, <laughs> the worst origin story ever. The worst origin story of all time. Uh, uh, and then, let's see. So yeah, so in this episode, uh, we get the police are investigating a string of thefts allegedly perpetrated by Fujiko Mine, who has started sending calling cards in the style like, of Leuven III. Right. Um, and Fujiko, meanwhile, is living in a cabin in the woods with Goemon. Um, yeah. And she is just sort of like sitting in lingerie in a room and is unhappy. And Goemon brings him like, brings her, brings her like tuna oatmeal. And she's like, <laughs> yes. So, yeah. He brings her some food. She's like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, I tried making oatmeal in tuna broth. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, are you supposed to, uh, are, like, are you supposed to be taking care of me? And then yeah. she like, and then she like jumps up and she's like, what are you after? If you want to have sex with me, don't beat around the bush. And he's uh, like, I, what is that? I don't know <laughs> sex. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he just kind of like goes back downstairs and turns on the radio yeah and he uh, hears about these the string of thefts committed by fujikamina who he knows has been in his upstairs bedroom the entire time just yeah watching netflix and yeah. being depressed uh so he decides to go and find out who she who she really is um and so then the cops are trying to protect the tiara this tiara that fujiko has promised quote unquote fujiko has promised to steal and it's been replaced. They discover that by the time that they get there, it's already been replaced by a replica, which causes Inigata to realize that like that crime was impossible, so it must have been committed by another policeman. Because yeah, um, yeah, because they they had it. They they like had locked down the, the whole museum for like a week, and there were they like had... five hundred cops. Like there was like a ring of cops. Yeah, and then around they had, they had, the tiara, and with they had gas the masks, in, inspected for authenticity, like. Uh, uh, two days previously days so uh so yeah so it was yeah, impossible he, for anybody but somebody within the police department to have committed the crime right um and that, that's which, when he starts putting two and two together yeah which is namely that it's his oscar yes uh, so yeah so he realizes he basically realizes that it's oscar and so then he stops the me- working on the media fujiko case 
and um, Oscar and is like Oscar because Oscar's like, oh, I'll catch her because he wants to impress Zenigata. And yeah. Oscar and then Zenigata's like, great. I now I don't have to worry about it anymore because he's not allowed to work on the Mune Fujiko case until. Uh, or he's not allowed uh, to work on the Lupin case. No, we're allowed to work on the Lupin case until the Fujiko case is resolved. Um, yeah. So then uh, we, we, we get it confirmed. Oscar is robbing a museum dressed as Fujiko Mine and like takes off his wig dejectedly and is like, why isn't he trying to kill her? <laughs> um, and then yeah, so he's he, caught so... by another cop and he's like, maybe he'll, maybe he'll care again if Fujiko Mine kills someone. And so he yeah, kills so, the cop. Right. So, so, um, like Oscar's whole thing is that he's so jealous of Fujiko Mine for like getting to have sex with Zenigata. Yeah, and and for like, for being a, a focus of interest for Zenigata in a way that Oscar Oscar is only ever in. Yeah. Um, uh, so this yeah. So then he goes out. So Oscar goes outside and is confronted by an owl with a tape recorder. <laughs> um, who's like, hey, you're really horny for Zenigata. Uh. You know, and, and he asked, like, why did you dress yourself up as Mine Fujiko? If you really wanted Zenigata's attention, you should have dressed yourself up as Lupin. But you want to receive from Zenigata what Mine Fujiko received in that interrogation room. Um, right. And they're like, okay, well, how about a terrorist attack? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a... The owl is basically, I'm not judging. I'm not let's, judging. I, I will take advantage of this. Let's do a terrorist let, attack. So yeah. You can get that dick. um so then um fujiko overhears comes downstairs and overhears the same broadcast on the radio about herself stealing a tiara which is she didn't do and then the word tiara causes her to have another flashback uh to being experimented on oh right because uh this this weird like um set of like diodes that were put on her head like the owl called it a tiara yeah um so yeah so fujiko uh so yeah so so oscar it sends another fake fujiko calling card threatening to steal this jewel encrusted dress worn by the quote bride of the revolution in this set parade celebrating like the french revolution or whatever that's going to take place soon um yeah. so uh yeah so oscar um his plan is that during this parade he is going to set off a bomb underneath a bridge and um you in the commotion steal someone's right uh and okay um <laughs> so fujiko <laughs> also she so she after she has this flashback she decides that she's going to quote kill fujiko me um and then that's the last that we see of her for this episode um and so zenigata tells the other cops working the fujiko case that fujiko isn't the one who's doing it and Goemon and Lupin are eavesdropping independently and decide they they work out this parade theft plot somehow. Um, and because because right after this, Oscar finally has like the meeting with the owls outside of after after Zenigata comes in and he has a meeting with the owls where the plan is is laid out. And yeah. so Goemon diverts the parade by cutting down a bunch of trees with his sword. <laughs> and Lupin finds the bomb under the bridge and tries to defuse it. Um, and Zenigata talks to Oscar and tells him, uh, talks, talks about like, you know, you need to hold on to your pride. 
Um, right. Because yeah. and he talks about his experiences with corruption in the police force and how he gave up his path to the top because he reported his boss for corruption. Um, and um, yeah, Oscar starts screaming because he decided <laughs> that maybe doing a terrorism is not the best way to get dick. Uh, uh, and so he sprints to the bomb and tells Lupin that it's too late to try to defuse it and he jumps off the bridge of the bomb and explodes <laughs> well yeah he, go, he, he falls into the water in a, in a parallel of when he when he fell into the water as a child in the beginning uh, and then we see it, this giant um, let it like, be known if you dear listener currently have a crush on it cannot possibly go this bad no matter what happens, it can't go this bad. <laughs> Take heart, dear listeners. Take heart. You did not explode in the river sand. Um, <laughs> so, then, episode 12. Um, so, we. Circus time! Yes, circus time. So, this episode begins with a flashback. We see this little girl that we've been getting flashbacks of. Uh, as as the count burns her teddy bear, um, and brands her with with a hot iron. Um, so Fujiko, we see Fujiko. She's at a cafe, and then Zenigata shows up and handcuffs her and takes her to her squad to his squad car. Um, and he asks her like, "Why was Oscar doing this?" You know, and Fujiko truthfully says, "I have no idea." Um, and. Fujiko and Zenigata at first doesn't believe her, but then it becomes clear that he doesn't really have it in him to, uh, he, he knows that she wasn't behind any of it. Um, and so Fujiko brings up like a string of kidnappings that have been happening, um, that have been presumed to be unlinked, but reveals that they were actually all linked by the presence of a painting featuring an owl, which seems like a pretty <gasps> obvious fucking calling card that maybe the cop <laughs> should have noticed. Um, <laughs> And so Lupin and Jigen are planning their own heist of Glaucus Pharmaceuticals um, for Lupin to finally steal Fujiko Mina, uh, as he's as he's promised. Uh, so Zenikata and Fujiko go to a theme park called Glaucus Park, uh, which is a pharmaceutical theme park. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, no. So, um, and they, they happen upon a dark ride called the House of Fujiko. Um, and they decide, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, so this gonna, whole bit If you're going to go to is... town, you might as well go into Lincoln. You know, and it's, so this is sort of where we get a bit more of, like, a kind of hallucinatory or abstract episode focused on yeah. Fujiko. But it still doesn't quite get there. It's still too concrete. So... Yeah, so they go into the dark ride, and f- the dark ride begins with uh, Eulenspiegel, where Fujiko remembers that she was. That she says that that that's where I was raised, and then she mm-hmm. sees a doll that looks like her being experimented on, and like all, all at once, all of her memories come back, um, and she like shoots a gun wildly all over the place, and Zenigata has to like restrain her, and it's like, well, chill out, we'll get out of here. Um, so then, meanwhile, Jigen and Lupin show up at the park um and lupin tells jigen that when he was first told to steal fujiko he looked her up and found that she could not possibly exist like she looked her up and not only was there no 
person called that like no person could be the person that he was told she was um, yeah yeah he says something about how like how she like had her whole life the the story named mine fujiko stolen away yeah which doesn't make much which doesn't make much sense at first um it, but yeah it, it becomes clear it becomes clear what what is meant by that in the next episode yeah so uh then they encounter an owl uh on a roller coaster <laughs> Uh, and the owl is like, I have a request for you. And Lupin's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm stealing Fujiko Mine. And, and the owl is like, no, 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 no. My request this time is to kill Fujiko Mine. And if you refuse. And then Lupin like hesitates for w- one half of a split fucking second. Uh, <laughs> and then the owl pulls out uh, pulls out a gun and starts shooting uh, Lupin and, and, and Jigen. And there's th- this fight sequence is killer. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's complete nonsense. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, and it rules. It fucking rules. They're so good. The animation is just so good. There's a bit where Lupin like chases the owl like down the side of like the roller coaster. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And like this animation, that bit is so fucking good. Oh my yeah. god, it's impossibly yeah. good. So that whole fight sequence is going on. Um, and we get like these like flashes of Count Almeida in like this big monitoring room, who s- says that his goal is to make Fujiko love him again and open up her open up her heart. Um, and that uh, and so Lupin and Jigen like corner like they 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 basically outwit this owl and they wind up with the owl at gunpoint, um, and are like. And the owl is like, you've already fulfilled your roles. You've already done what we needed you to do. You aren't necessary anymore. And then Lupin is like, well, why did you tell me about Fujiko's past then? And they're like, we did? Question mark. (laughs) Uh, um, So, yeah. And so then, meanwhile, Zenigata and Fujiko uh, go into this, like, big room with, like, planets. It's like a planetarium, dark ride kind of thing that they escape. And also, at some point during this, uh, Goemon shows up and <laughs> is accosted by the owls. And then, no, Goemon... Is, for, is force-fed by the owls. Yeah, he gets force-fed by the owls. I forget how he winds up there because he wakes up. And he gets, like, dizzy, dizzy, drugged, and then he wakes up on the operating table. Yeah, I um, forget. Too. Right, he gets cornered at the parade by all the owls. Oh, yeah, in the previous episode... In the previous episode. Uh, after after cutting down all the trees, he got he got captured by the owls. Yeah, uh, uh, and he gets he gets dizzy dizzy. Um, so, so then he so many fucking screenshots escapes the, the yeah. So he adult. escapes them dressed as as Mine Fujiko after being force femmed, um, which was entirely unsuccessful. <laughs> um, like yeah, you you you. I must, yeah, you, I must like, say, going on, you are such a, a towering force of dumb masculinity that the most force in the world cannot fem you. Oh <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's a really funny bit, like where he's when he's tied down, and like one of the doctors like like menacingly unscrews a, a thing of lipstick. <laughs> it's like zooms in on him. And he starts blushing. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like, then, it. like they all like they all like pile on on him and he and he's like starts fighting madly <laughs> yeah um yeah so it, it, yeah so he escapes not before getting dressed up all pretty uh and then 
in the um so yeah and there are a bunch of dolls in this planetarium and fujiko starts shooting them and then zenigata calms her down and then she tells him about how she escaped um as a child and became a thief she escaped her torture as a child um and lupin also realizes that today is fujiko mino's death day as predicted by the fortune teller right um, so way back on uh, episode eight yeah. like the, that that fortune teller said he was going to predict fujiko mino's death day we didn't hear it but apparently lupin did yes so then and uh, it was march 15th which is the day of this uh funhouse fiasco uh so then a bunch of like nude doll android looking creatures enter the room with Zenigata and Fujiko and, and yeah. they start so shooting she... at Zenigata and Fujiko and Fujiko starts shooting them and Zenigata realizes that they're not dolls, they're real people and that they're all like failed prototypes of Fujiko. So so Fujiko also got Rei Anamid. Yes, uh... she got Rei Anamid, yeah. Uh, so Goemon shuts down power to the park with his sword. <laughs> um, one does. And Zenigata is fighting a doll and realizes that it's Oscar. It has the the same tattoo. Oscar's Oscar back. Has. Oscar's back. Um, right there, there was a bit at the beginning of this where they were like, "We f- didn't find a body." Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like we, so we know you must have moved it. And Zenigata says, and I'm like, "Bro, he exploded. Finding a body <laughs> would be a miracle." <laughs> but no, he Don't... did not explode. Yeah. He's here, also force fed. Yeah. Well, it's what he wanted. It's kind what, of is. It's what he would have wanted. <laughs> um so um fujiko all of her memories have come back and she so she leaves the room and she climbs this like staircase in a stone temple and finds count almaeda sitting in like a big throne it looks like a fucking dark souls boss arena in there (laughs) it is it's 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 sick like i kept waiting for her to like stand up and like pull out a huge sword and (laughs) help bardo here at the bottom of the screen um, uh, and so Kanta Maeda orders Fujiko to sit on his lap and then she screams um, and then so this is a two-parter episode so episode 13 so in which Lupin, we learn that Lupin is a foot pervert in which we learn that Lupin is a foot pervert so Lupin finds the monitoring room uh, that Almeida was in earlier and uses the microphone in it to make an announcement to encourage Fujiko to resist the Count's orders um, and Fujiko, he she like falls over on the ground, you know, and the Count is like, I'll punish you if you if you disobey. And Fujiko starts crying and then falls over on the ground. And it's like, wait a second, I've remembered, you suck shit. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so, so, so first, like, um, earlier we got a flashback where, like, the owl, like, brands her foot at, yes, when, as a yeah, child. I, I mentioned when, that already. Did you? Well, yeah. okay, I've, I've missed it. And yeah, then, yeah. He, throws, um, he throws her teddy bear in the thing and punishes her by branding. Yeah, her yeah. And so, and so, Lupin is is talking to her, and he's like, "Look at look at your foot, by the way." She looks, and there's no brand there, and he's like, "It your feet it have never, always been clean. It never was." Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> is the specific you. sentence he says. <laughs> he does. He does. Um, um, and, so, and so he says there's only one room in this in this place that is not being monitored and for some reason it still has a screen um and <laughs> so yeah so, so uh she she shoots the yeah the owl fucker and it's just it's just it's another a, it's a corpse with an owl mask on it it's the corpse of yeah. the original count Amaya with an owl mask on it yeah 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 um and he he's like 
desiccated. He looks like that one, like, Wojak with, like, the really sunken <laughs> black eyes. <laughs> I mean, not wrong. <laughs> That's exactly what he looks like. He looks exactly like that. Um, um, so, uh... Then yeah. Fujiko goes and finds I don't this I, I don't understand why the sequence is here other than that it looks cool. Which is that <laughs> yeah. she goes into this like big tower and there's no staircase and like there's a computerized voice speaking and every time it speaks, like letters stick out of the wall, like as platforms. And then uh Loop and sh- and, and Fujiko is like, How do I get up there? And the computerized voice is like, I'm not telling you shit. Uh, and then Lupin shows up and it's like this is how you do it and tells the computer voice that Count Amaeda is upset with her and then she starts freaking out and 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 this gives them an opportunity to like climb up the platforms to the top of the tower yeah it's 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 the way it spells out words is in it, it, is it like staircase style and so yeah. they can like run up all the I'm sorry is up to the top floor yeah so they get up there and they encounter this like shriveled up looking lady lying in a bed with like a machine attached to her face that reads her eye movements and allows her to talk. And so then we get a bunch of exposition. Wait, no. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm so Lupin explains. So this whole, I don't remember exactly who explains what. So basically, Fujiko Mino is never experimented on as a child, despite what she believes. She had false memories implanted in her by this girl attached to the machine with the eyeball thing. Aisha. Whose name is Aisha, who was the yeah. real girl who was actually experimented on by Count Almaeda and the real daughter of the real Fritz Kaiser, who yeah. was dead. Yeah, um, so all, all those flashbacks of the little black-haired girl are Aisha. Yes, and their flashbacks, their implanted false memories into Fujiko. And so Aisha was tortured by, was experimented on by Almeida. And after the disaster that caused Eulenspiegel to be abandoned, Almeida selected her in particular for continued torture until he died. Um, and then because of, she'd been tortured and experimented on her entire life, she was bedridden now, and she... Uh, continued the experiments in his stead because she thought that they were, you know, she she became interested in stealing other people's lives the way that hers had been taken from her. Right. Um, and so she starts experimenting on little girls to see what would happen if they were released into the world after being experimented on the way that she was, and they all committed suicide. And so then they do an experiment where they implant memories into the maid who shows up to work at the castle, uh, which turns out to be Fujiko Mine. Uh-huh. Um, and then they were surprised, astonished, when she became, uh, she, after being released, became uh, an international thief and sex haver. Um, <laughs> um, and then Aisha initially was pleased with this development, but then be- gradually became jealous of Fujiko right, because... for being able to compartmentalize this and began desiring her to be killed. Right. Um, so, like, at, fir- at first, she was, like, kind of living vicariously through Fujiko uh, and, like, see- like, seeing someone with her past basically live a, like, enjoyable existence, uh, stealing things and indulging in sex, until she realized that um, maybe this was only possible because Fujiko was suppressing 
the yeah. memories that had been implanted in her. Yeah. And then, double twist, surprise reveal, that Fujiko didn't become a thief after having those memories implanted in her. She was always a thief who had sex. <laughs> and the memories didn't affect her at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so she's like, she says, there, like, it wasn't My you, therapist, wasn't... Lupin Third says that I've always been perfect and people hate me for that and that makes me rightfully upset. It's so good. Yeah, she's like, oh, what you saw wasn't your own, like, possibility it i she was like i i was i was pretending to be a maid i've always been stealing things and having sex <laughs> it's so so good yeah. and so then there's some more stuff that happens where fujiko then shoots the owl's head off and it's revealed that the owl is actually aisha's mother who has been like capitulating to all of her desires out of a feeling of guilt for not doing anything when she was being tortured and yeah. so then Lupin and Fujiko admonish her for not doing anything. Being a being um, a monster. Uh and, and and not doing anything and then making it worse. Um and then Fujiko then Lupin like jumps out takes Aisha and jumps out the window on a parachute and they show Aisha the real world outside of the castle and, and Fujiko mocks her for for being confined while she's free and fujiko like you know dances in a bathing suit in the ocean it's, it, uh, yeah it's a it's a it's a, it, yeah like it's a wild thing to it's, do it's so petty it's like uh like she they go to the beach and fujiko is just like this is this is who i am like i am this free. is the real world i'm it's, free you can't do shit fuck you eat my kiss my asshole <laughs> motherfucker and then she dies and so uh also the entire like, time that this is happening we mentioned this earlier but goemon and jigen have been in have been uh dosed with the dizzy dizzy drug and see each other as owl men and are trying to kill each other but they're both so good at sword and gun respectively that they can't possibly kill each other and yeah, they G fight until dawn and then they're basically just like i think we should just call this call this a draw uh, I hope I never have to fight you ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Jigen does like a bullet, like curving thing, like in yeah. fucking Wanted, uh, and uh, Goemon like cuts all his bullets in half, like freaking the dude from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. So what this show is trying to be about, convolutedly, <laughs> is I think about like it's about generational trauma but specifically like the way that it's about the role of women in the patriarchy and the way that like older women disapproving of like the sexy free lifestyles of younger women is like bad um and is like it 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 it, it feels it's a very like eat shit boomer asshole Show. Yeah. like they don't have boomers in japan but um yeah cause, yeah cause, yeah like like the like the the double twist at the end where like they they had kind of primed you to like or they, i mean not even primed like at one yeah. point when fujiko still has the fake memories like she says herself that like she used like like sex and luxury to kind of fill the void in her yeah. which is a which is that which is that very kind of trite yeah uh yeah. like stupid bad trope and so and so yeah the twist is that like like no her her trauma of like 
what it, like she didn't she like even before she was traumatized um yeah she just fucking loved doing this stuff yeah, like that's be, just who she yeah, is like, it's like not only is it a counter to like the idea that like because count almeida's project was to like raise his perfect woman like right and it, the envisioned as like the the perfect woman of the perfect obedient woman of the patriarchy um and not only is obviously that bad but also like it's like they they try to like say they can try to save it by being like well raising you this way you know was what allowed you to in the future you know live the wonderful life that you should be thankful for me for being such an asshole to you when you were a child and it's like no i was always like that i was always going to be like that literally the only thing that you did was make my life worse fuck you yeah Um, uh yeah so like when she when fujiko finally gets her real memories back yeah she says like this is like this is always who i am and like at the at the at the very end like when she's just like dancing around in the, in the water like she's i think she's just trying to show aisha like her truest self yeah um and which is like which is kind of she which is kind of an asshole to be fair yeah <laughs> like uh i and like it's it's, it's... It is sort of like like the the I understand the bitterness that the show has towards Aisha because of what Aisha represents, which yeah. is to say like vindictive patriarchal like elderly women who yeah, yeah. made the lives of young women miserable by insisting they conform to extremely patriarchal gender expectations, but simultaneously within the fiction aisha is a small child who's been tortured um, i mean I, yeah like I, <laughs> I, I mean i think the sh- like it's tricky because like um when aisha's watching her kind of in her element like she, she like it shows her kind of transforming back into a little girl yeah. just before she dies and so <sighs> Like I'm not exactly sure. It's, it's it's like when I finished this, I had I like I I didn't understand. I don't un- I I I feel like I partly understand it, and then there are elements that I don't understand at all. Um, yeah, yeah. One in particular that has bugged me is Oscar, because uh, so Oscar is not a Lupin character. Oscar, like an original Lucky Punch Lupin character. Oscar is an, an original creation for this show, which means that they thought that what he represents is important. And yeah. I can't figure out what he represents. <laughs> or, like, I, 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 I don't... Like, I don't other, than, I, other, I, other than being mean to Twinks. I don't... Like, I don't understand it. And the only thing that I can think of is Turfy. Um, mm. You know? Like, it, it feels like refusing to like but and it, like it doesn't quite work because the show doesn't especially at the end of the episode where oscar dies when there's that there's like a brief hallucination as he dies where he hallucinates himself in a dress yeah. flying over the city and stuff like that so like it doesn't feel like the show hates oscar as much as i initially thought that the show hated oscar right but it still doesn't it feels somewhat like it is reticent to extend the same like it it freedoms in terms of gender expression that embracing oscar requires to oscar that it extends to fujiko like it's okay for a cis woman to like have a bunch of wild sex but if a dude wants to dress up as a lady and have sex that's that's weird and gross and possibly bad 
and like yeah, you know you like, need to hold on to your pride as a man and stop dressing up as a little woman yeah you it's know? yeah i'm not yeah i'm not sure really like what it, and like the thing is he's like it's not entirely the vibe i get but also nothing else fits because it, it's definitely not an affirmative like yeah i character. mean like, like like the portrayal of oscar is not as like like oscar's final like force feminization transformation into a mirror of fujiko mine is like portrayed as a tragedy you know like we joked that like oh it's what he would have wanted but like <laughs> we say that yeah because that's what we want um, <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely like it doesn't have like yeah oscar is doesn't have a coherent kind of like through line yeah it, it, it's just it's just weird and it feels it like where the fujiko stuff feels a lot more rock solid in terms of what it's trying to say and is maybe a bit clumsy in the way that it says it the oscar stuff it just sort of feels like feel like they felt like they needed to say something that i don't have access to and they said <laughs> it so weirdly that i have no idea what it was that they meant to say in the yeah. first place yeah um and in in they wind up saying it in just in a way that makes me kind of feel like the original thing that they wanted to say was maybe bad um and i but like not you know it's not it's all circumstantial evidence it's not admissible in court kind of i can't i cannot right. in court declare sayo yamamoto a turf but i am given the side eye a little bit fair there yeah it's it's like yeah i think because it's it's so incoherent i kind of just bracketed it um but yeah um it's it's a very like i really like the first half of the show and the second half of the show is just weird yeah yeah you know it's just like it's tr it 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 it's really trying something and it's so concerned with its plot that it doesn't that like it's themes get a little muddled yeah um they don't the themes that i think are the important part don't take front and center instead what takes front and center is like resolving a bunch of really complicated loose plot threads (laughs) right um so yeah uh alex oh right nine delights this is the first time we're gonna get to use actually use the coitus field oh shit you're right um so uh, uh i will bring them up so yes yeah, so walking the around lights. there's a hell of a lot of walking oh there is yeah and 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 the quality of the walking look at uh, dice case walk yes. cycle yeah dice case walk cycle is high quality walking yeah it's great <laughs> the animation is good there's a lot of travel in the show there's a lot of walking and stuff like that i would i would give this a four out of five for walking around sounds good to me fellowship is there it exists it's- it, it's yeah, not a, like like by the end like uh lupin and daisuke are are bros and lupin and fujiko lupin even helps fujiko out a lot yeah you know? yeah like, they they like they have that successful heist uh together in uh and even ultimately like lupin is help helps fujiko recover her yeah. memories you know oh yeah yeah they yeah they 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 gain like but simultaneously it doesn't feel very fellowship like you know it's there's not yeah, a lot of there's Unlike Cowboy Bebop, which is maximum hang attitude, this show has very little hanging out in it. It's just too short. True. Um, you know, there's just right, not a lot right. of time in what the show because the show has so much plot to convey that it, it doesn't have a lot of space for just like hanging out. Yeah. Oh well. Speaking of Lupin and Fujiko's uh, 
relationship. It, um, we forgot the very, very end of the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, after Aisha dies, um, they're driving off, Lupin in his car, and she got on her motorcycle, and she's like, so aren't you so you aren't you supposed to be stealing me and he's like yeah but right now you're a bit too sentimental things have gotten kind of serious i like i i want i'll wait until you're back in your like crazy mode uh and then she drives up ahead and he stares her ass he's like well maybe this side of you is pretty nice too uh and then his car just collapses yeah because she pulled out like a single screw which he then makes out with yeah, um, and, and then yeah, she she that she takes off and uh, leaves yeah. leaves him yeah, sprawled leaves on the ground, yeah. lying completely dead on the pavement. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, fellowship. I don't know, like a f- two or a three, honestly. Yeah, yeah, two and a half, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do half points here. We're not. Oh right. Um, deliciousness. Three. There's no okay. food in this show. I don't think there's a single frame in which no, there is. Lupin makes dinner for Jigen. Yeah, he uh, does. He makes, he he makes does. pasta, and and they cook for in the Phantoms of the Opera. Cook for yes. Uh, so Fujika. there is some deliciousness. That is not a lot of deliciousness. One not out of five. Not a lot. All right. Uh, transcendence. Goof. Oh, oh, right. Transcendence. Uh, I would say I would say the very end when like it, when Fujiko kind of like regains herself. It would have been better with more. Like, oh, for sure, for sure. Like it, it just doesn't feel very trans. It feels like like the very end feels more amelioration to me than transcendence. Mm. Like transcendence, a, like yeah, it I think would you've got need. A point there. There's some of it. I would give it like maybe a three. You know, because mm-hmm. there's some in the sort of the more dream logic hallucinatory sequences. There's some sort of transcendence aspects to it, but it's never made really a core aspect. It's never used in the right ways. So yeah, yeah. Three out of five. Goofing. Goofing. Uh, this show's pretty funny. Yeah, the in the first yeah first uh first half first two thirds is goofy. Yeah, um and and like even like the fucking even, yeah. fight the fight between Goemon and 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 Jigen Daisuke yeah yeah is is it's very goofy silly. As hell. It's funny so, to the last second. Like it it the shift it fo- shifts focus from being funny, but but it um, doesn't let go of it altogether. Yeah. Uh, I would give that maybe a three out of five because it's definitely yeah. not it's not a yeah. comedy anime and a lot of the stuff it, it like blurs the line between a joke that has me laughing and something that's wacky and absurd that has me like smiling like I wasn't <laughs> not, laughing at sensible chuckles yeah like like I wasn't like smiling when like uh Lupin like ride or, or like laugh I didn't laugh at Lupin riding a Buddha statue made of drugs on rocket skates into the ocean. Like that was just wacky, and I was I was beaming when that was happening because it's really good, but it's not like a joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, amelioration. I feel like this is one of the higher ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, a, I would probably give it a four out of five along with walking around because that, that sounds about right. It does. Yeah. It does. It, it. There is a lot ameliorated at the end. <laughs> of this, you know, a lot comes out. Uh, coitus. There's a lot of it. Um, there is a fair amount. We have previously established that more can be worse when it when it comes to coitus. However, the sex and sexy stuff in this show is, I think, generally good. Yeah, yeah, um, no, I agree. I yeah, like the way that like I I think a lot of people will view the fact that Fujiko is nude a lot of the time as like objectification, and I think it's somewhat is but it's she has so much agency that it feels less like 
she's just naked for no reason yeah um yeah. and also she's nice to look at she got <laughs> she's got big boobies what more can you ask for this is going to be the first high score in coitus i don't know how high it maybe i'm thinking a three or a four uh yeah yeah uh i was gonna say three i would i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't object to a four i'll go with a three um because like like the thing is is that like fujiko nude is mostly really good the sex scenes specifically are few and far between and mostly whatever um <laughs> yeah you know like there isn't there isn't actually a lot of sex like like right because like she doesn't actually have sex with anyone other than zenigata yeah she has sex with zenigata and the, the scene where she has sex with zenigata is very abstract yeah um you know like it, it it feels even more abstract than sex scenes in a lot of shows that have less nudity right um, right anyway enthrallment i do love to be enthralled i love it too um like I feel like this is maybe uh, probably another two or three along with Transcendence. Like, it, it feels in a similar vein of, like, visually the show is very enthralling. And plot-wise, it can often be, especially early on. Um, but then later the plot becomes so dense and tangled and confusing that it, it pushes you out of the story a little bit. And you have to, like, actively, yeah. like, pay attention. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'll give it a three out of five. Yeah, three, um, a three sounds right. What's your wild card? Uh, owls. Five out of five yeah five out of five uh my wild card i always forget about the wild card until the last second uh i'm gonna give I'm gonna, my wild card is gonna be gonna be boobs and it's gonna be a five out of five <laughs> uh, anyway alex do you have a book to recommend all right i i will recommend um pity the beast by robin mclean um i was yelling about this on on our discord earlier because like some of the passages you can quote out of it are just completely completely wild i really want to read this based on just the stuff that you posted although um, i made that mistake with hex and i didn't really like that <laughs> so like what like partly this is the best book i've read probably all year but also um we were talking during this show especially in the kind of the snake tits episode about how like sometimes it fails to kind of almost fails to tell its story in the best way uh and let, letting kind of falling back on letting lupin explains things rather than kind of just showing us through fujiko's perspective because this is this is fujiko's story uh and unlike like kind of a lot of books i've read recently this this well more than most books i've read recently pity the beast is inextricable from its from the way it's told uh it's a story both kind of about the individual character jenny um who experiences kind of this um horrific sexual violence and then it's it's about her kind of surviving and taking revenge in a sense but it's also about how we tell stories um to make sense of our lives and those of those around us how we kind of try and some mostly fail to coexist with each other and with nature and it's it mixes kind of both sort of a kind of like a Quebec mccarthy kind of western realism with uh, mythology and 
science fiction even a little bit and it's it's just like it's impossible to kind of accurately summarize because so much of what it is is this the is its prose um i want to read yeah like one of the passages i quoted uh is that a human can live on its own tissue for up to two months called self-digestion. Ginny self-digested. Velvet antlers are also nourishing, though hardly plentiful. Kill the deer for the antler. Eat the meat, leave the antler. If your knife is gone, simply pound the meat into a pulp with a rock. A pounded bird wastes nothing. Elk and rabbit excrement can thicken soup. She herded a rabbit, tackled it. Gall is an excellent spice. Follow deer to salt licks and lick salt with the deer. Blood should never be wasted. It's nearly milk as far as vitamins in absorption <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's yeah it's an it's 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 just an incredible novel um and i see yeah, i still i still haven't really stopped thinking about it but the it's pity the beast is what it's called by robin mclean okay so the thing that i wanted to recommend uh but i know i've already recommended is but i will i will bring up briefly again is the ballad of the whiskey robber by julian rubinstein um which is a just marvelous nonfiction novel about this guy who was the worst hungarian hockey goalie of all time and moonlighted as a bank robber <laughs> um yeah he he like grew up in romania and then like hopped on a train to hungary and this is all in like the early 90s like this is as the soviet union is collapsing uh, he, like, arrives in Hungary, like, the day that the communist government of Hungary falls, and so he doesn't have a guaranteed job anymore, and so oh, he no. becomes a goalie for uh, a terrible hockey team, and he, even by their standards, he is by far the worst goalie on their team, and he decides to make ends meet by robbing banks, and he is, uh, a ve- he is prevented from being, uh, from getting caught by the extreme incompetence of the uh, Budapest police force um, led by a detective who learned how to be a detective by watching dubbed episodes of Columbo and (laughs) his deputy who is known only by a Hungarian word, which translates as mound of asshead. And it's really good. He basically becomes a folk hero because everybody in Hungary hates the government uh and like people somebody like writes a rap song about him it's 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 a great it's a phenomenal book uh the ballad of the whiskey robber by julian rubenstein um what i'm actually going to recommend has nothing to do with anything because i haven't finished reading a book this month and i have nothing else to recommend so what i'm going to recommend is uh the panda's thumb by stephen jay gould um so stephen jay gould was a uh he was a paleontologist and evolutionary biologist, uh, and he died in, like, 2004. Um, and he had a, I believe, a column in Scientific American for a very long time, a very popular column about evolutionary biology and paleontology and geology and related topics in Scientific American. And The Panda's Thumb is a collection of a number of those columns. Um, Stephen Jay Gould is widely noted for being one of the first people to realize that Richard Dawkins is an asshole. <laughs> um, so he, he he so he when richard dawkins wrote the selfish gene in like 1979 or whatever uh stephen jay gould was one of its most vocal critics early on um of of dawkins's selfish gene theory and there's a great essay in the panda slum about 
that uh about his argument for why selfish gene theory doesn't necessarily work because um it uh like genes aren't directly exposed to selective forces basically he was also well known for writing another great book uh called the mismeasure of man which is a book about failed like it's a book about like the legacy of scientific racism and and phrenology and like continued attempts to quantify things like intelligence and define um like racial categories and stuff like that and he basically just demolishes all of these things uh very brutally and efficiently um and one of my favorite essay in the panda's thumb is about um one of his more unorthodox positions which is his support for catastrophism over gradualism and catastrophism is a, so, so gradualism is the theory that evolutionary change happens on a very, very long time scale, and speciation happens over the course of millions and millions of years. Um, you know, and, and one species will sort of gradually branch and change into another species. And what Stephen Jay Gould argued is, if this were true, we would find a lot more transitional fossils than we actually do. And mm. the reality is probably that species remain the same for long periods of time and then when intense selection pressure is put on them they speciation can happen fairly rapidly on a geologic time scale like over the course of a few thousand years um and and this has this theory has sort of become somewhat more popular over the years what i like about this is that he draws a direct comparison at the end of that essay to karl marx's crisis theory um and he is basically like the he 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 draws this really interesting comparison where the theory of gradualism began to displace the theory of catastrophism exactly at the same time that liberalism was growing as a political force in europe and among scientists because aristocratic scientists found the idea of gradual change in the wake of the french revolution less threatening than the idea of of change via revolution or catastrophe and so they pushed the idea that gradual change was the way of nature and that gradual political change therefore is how it works even though <laughs> historically gradual political change doesn't exist um yeah. so yeah so I, I really really like that essay and there's a ton of other stuff in there ranging from stuff like that that is sort of fairly heterodox to um you know lots of really great deep dives into all sorts of topics in evolutionary biology that are really interesting and um yeah uh you know there's another great essay in there about catastrophism about um in, about catastrophism in geology where he talks about the gradual god i forget it's been long enough since i read this book that i forget what geological feature it is but it's a <laughs> geological feature in like the northwestern u.s that was formed now we know was formed very rapidly on a geological time scale and it but it, it took like 200 years of people exhausting every single possible gradualist explanation for it before they finally accepted that the whole thing was basically on a geologic time scale formed at once which is what people who were really paying attention to the evidence had been saying the whole time um, <laughs> anyway uh yeah so that is the panda's thumb by stephen j gould and i i consider this a blanket recommendation for everything that stephen j gould wrote it is deeply tragic that uh he is dead and richard dawkins still lives to post on twitter <laughs> um, anyway uh so it is my pick for next month what we're gonna watch next yes. month uh so i had to think about it 
uh, and we, you're going to be watching Kaiba, directed Ooh. by Masaki Iwasa and produced by Madhouse. All uh, right. We've been we we're we're big Yuasa heads here at at the uh, at the at the Animes for Jerks at the Animes for Jerks dome. Me more than Alex, but I think Alex uh, respects the craft. To I a do. Large degree. Um, so yeah, and Kaiba is. I think Kaiba was the last show that Yuasa worked on before founding Science Saru. Um, uh-huh. So it was the last show that he worked on with an animation studio other than his own. Um, he did it with Madhouse, which is really good. I have heard whenever I bring up Yuasa to people, they often bring up Kaiba to me. So I've heard yeah. a lot of great things. Uh, the other one that people often bring up uh, that I haven't seen yet is Mind Game, uh, which we got to watch at some point in the future. I'm really excited to watch that. But so yeah, that's what we'll be watching next month is Kaiba for our 37th episode because this is as you as you mentioned earlier, this is our three year anniversary episode. That's, that's horrifying we've been doing this podcast for three years um we started this podcast because netflix announced that they were bringing ava to netflix and we were like it would be alex had never seen ava and i was like it would be great for seo if we did a podcast about ava um and, and then, then we just kept doing it yeah yeah um you know we've done i've generally enjoyed doing this podcast uh, yeah it's, it's been know, a good time it's fun um and i'm glad that we have some people who listen and enjoy the podcast you know i hope in the future we get more listeners you know um yeah like it's send us emails yeah send us emails thank you all for listening uh you know like we've finally started to like getting emails and tweets and stuff from people that i don't know like, I finally added a column to TweetDeck for the anime is for jerks notifications and, like, scrolled through them. And sometimes, really? and, like, some time ago, most of the notifications are from people I know. But, yeah. like, I have seen, like, somebody, like, tweeting about, somebody who I have no idea who they are t- tweeting about getting a recommendation for the podcast from another person who I have no, uh, not who I have no, it's from another person that I know, but somebody who I have no idea who they are. And I'm just like, oh, that all of these people are, like, just out there tweeting about the pod- <laughs> just tweeting about the podcast and and listening to our podcast and like people, just like the idea because on the one hand i know that none of our friends listen to our podcast <laughs> and simultaneously i but simultaneously i was sure that nobody else would ever want to listen to this podcast and so i was convinced for the longest time that nobody listened to this podcast all right we auditions for new friends i've been confronted with incontrovertible evidence that people listen to this podcast in the form of people sending emails and tweets to us and that's terrifying (laughs) um you know like i had been for so long convinced like because like uh, podcast analytics are notoriously terrible like uh, the Uh podcast hosting service that we use anchor has an analytics dashboard i have always disregarded its findings because they they're not like wildly overinflated or anything like that like it's not absurd or ludicrous to imagine that like 20-ish people listen to every new podcast episode which is what it mostly tells me um (laughs) but i considered that even that modest number somewhat inflated uh because it's very difficult to tell whether or not someone has downloaded a file off of the internet yeah Yeah, Uh, yeah. you know especially if they're using uh you know like we have fairly detailed analytics for people who use spotify to listen to podcasts in which case why are you using spotify to listen to podcasts um (laughs) But, like, if you use anything else, we have no fucking clue. Anything, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
so yeah it, it is just weird to have concrete proof of, of that um but yeah uh anyway if you listen to this podcast and like it you should tell bull about it maybe i don't know recommend it to a friend uh because unless it's your guilty pleasure that you don't yeah want unless you don't want anybody to know that you listen to this podcast but yeah recommend it to a friend if you think they might like it because we don't advertise this podcast at all um so yeah that would be a huge help for us i guess insofar as our goal is to be the biggest podcast in the universe and be king of patreon mountain uh, <laughs> so yeah speaking of promoting ourselves yes. where can we find you online oh you're guys? asking me jesus christ uh sorry breaking breaking tradition here you can find me on twitter at profit underscore gratis you can find me on mastodon at profit underscore gratis at skeleton.cool uh you can find the video games that i've made at profit gratis at itch.io you can find my my live streams at trash.cloud uh alex what about you uh i'm on twitter at dun 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 i am also on mastodon catalina at selfie.army that is selfie with a y i also stream on trash uh yeah you can find the show on twitter at animators for jerks you can find the show on mastodon at animators for jerks at skeleton.cool uh you can email the show with thoughts about this episode or any other episode that we've done anything that we've said uh write in about any of the shows that we've watched any shows that you want us to watch uh because we're, we're running low <laughs> uh I, I i i look we it looks worse than it actually is because we only do one episode a month i, I like because i look at it and i was like oh we have almost no shows left but actually we have enough shows left for about two more years of the podcast and then we'll have to quit uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> i mean the, it, hopefully they're ones that were as enthusiastic uh, about and then though. yeah uh, uh yeah, send us an email, especially send us an email if you've read any of the books that we've recommended and liked them. Uh, we would love to hear back because we would love to hear that's that they're the doing something other than show. watching anime. Uh, and on that note, <laughs> remember, there is nothing less important than anime. Good night.